the uh, crumbs. Have a little sip of the old tea. Hello, welcome to Right Act. This is episode 55 of the Alternative Music Podcast with myself, my good self, my very own self, Mr. Stephen Hill, and my co-host of Some Note. Hello, what? Oh, no, I'm no, 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 that's a pause for dramatic effect of Some Note. Renfrey Deadman. <laughs> Hello, mate. Thank you. Wow. Um, thanks. I was very bemused by that um, introduction. You're not normally that nice to me, but that's fine. Thank you. I like it. I've had a good week, mate. Good. Why have you had such a good week? Well, I've been to my favourite festival. Bloodstock. Bloodstock. Big Bloodstock review coming up later on in the show. Also going to be talking, if you fucking knocked tea over my new... No, I actually haven't. Coffee. Yeah, but if you did, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, you would would lamp me. That's fine. Wouldn't be happy with that. That would ruin a great week. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It doesn't take a lot to ruin your weeks, does it? Uh, Bloodstock, the review, the big review will be coming up later on. Also, we're going to be reviewing new albums from Bon Iver, Frank Turner, Sleater Kinney, Killswitch Engage, and Feeder. Um... Together at last. Uh, have you had a yeah, kills engaging feeder on tour together um throughout I'd go to see that August uh, with a unicorn in Mordor. <laughs> Maybe. I don't I love know. that band. Um yeah. Uh we want to say thanks to our friends at Musicism, who meant that you could see the pain in Renfrey's eyes when he said that. Uh who sorted us out with our, our YouTube um our YouTube channel and this equipment we're talking on now, musicism.net. You know the drill, 50%, 50% off? Can we get 50% off? No, 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 no. 25% off all courses to improve your skills with a Z. It's 90s retro. Um, Very good. Thank you. Uh, for the, the budding singer, the budding guitarist, the budding producer, that's all over at musicism.net. Someone actually signed up and they tagged us in the thing and said, hey, we signed yeah. up for this. It's really good. Thank you. So, yeah. Do you Good. know what? I'm glad um, you're enjoying it. Uh, there are some oh, new... riot in the capital in oh, capital letters. Riot in, in the capital. Riot in capital in the checkout. In the that's it. <laughs> oh. Put riot in the capital. In... Oh fuck's sake! Riot you got me in doing capitals it. in the checkout. Yeah, 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 very good. Um, courses. I started doing some off. of the. Sorry, go on. That's okay. I started doing some of the advanced guitar stuff. Turns out I'm not as good at guitar as I thought I was. Pathetic. You're still a better guitarist than I thought you were, though. That's very kind of you. Yeah. Sort of. Still not playing Eruption on an acoustic guitar, unfortunately. No, No. I don't know why you thought you could ever do that. Well, I'm actually headlining Arctangent um, doing just that. Trying, like the world's angriest guitar player. Just going... I love that guy. He's He's brilliant. Hitting his own hand. He might be angrier than you. He's definitely angrier than me. He's definitely angrier than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's on YouTube, the world's angriest guitar player. Go and have a little look at him. We are as well now. Thanks for watching it for the the, kind of what the 20 people that subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for Uh, that. Excuse me. When I checked, we were on 363. 363. It's all right. It's all right. We want to get to 1,000 though. Mm. So that'd be nice. Tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, and you can look at. See what we're also doing this with the vinyl. So we're going to put three different vinyl to sort of help reflect the show every week. Someone was really concerned about even though this radio is radio is not going to be on. Yeah, it's not on. Don't worry, whoever. And we've us. got plenty of. It's nice and deep. This is a deep radiator, so it won't oh. affect. You seem unsure that that's a deep radiator. So that's quite obviously a deep radiator. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Well, they're not going to fall off, mate. Don't worry. They're not going to fall off, no. 
Um, and a good selection this week as well. So it's about three inches. So tune into the, if you listen to this, you should tune into the YouTube just to see the selection of vinyl we have in the background here. Yeah, that's worth right. Worth doing. Um, and then just click that subscribe button. Yeah, and so we can buy more bloody vinyl. Go to our Patreon page, <laughs> patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. We're going to start doing right ears review again soon. But as you know, it's the summer. It's fucking busy. I've hurt my shoulder. Uh, that's that's literally just happened. Um, but uh, that, that's no if, reason. If you want to see Steve hurt his shoulder, uh, <laughs> come, come on the YouTube channel. Uh, you all right, Sunshine? Do you want to stop? Okay. Yeah, I'm fine. Um, Your shoulder's been hurting it. for a while. I mean, well, I don't no, know if that you want to really go into this hurt. What just happened? Then that really cracked. Okay. It's quite annoying. Um, that's not good. But I tell you what is good news. This is so good, good. Seamless. Um, Slipknot look like that time of us recording. They're going to have a number. They're going to knock Ed Sheeran off the top of the charts for their first UK number one in 18 years. This is going to be really out of date if it emerges on the day that it comes out when we will be told? Is it Sunday when you find out? I can't remember. Is it Friday or Sunday? Uh, it's Friday these days. Okay, right. Well, this this information might be wrong and the people listening or watching this will know whether it's right or wrong. But All it right. looks like they may well do. Well, yes. they're, they're very, we very confident that they're going to be. Uh, the, the, what I, I read today was like, yeah, it's kind of done and dusted. Okay, because as far as I'm aware physical sales they're absolutely killing it in terms of our rival mine and yours ed sheeran and uh <laughs> but um i think it streams because people people stream ed sheeran don't they people don't buy his stuff they stream it they do yeah they do silly, silly people because no, they don't really like music <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah so just pretend you don't like music for a bit and stream the shit out of the new slipknot record i mean it. stream it i'm sure like a lot of people will be streaming it as well uh, it's really yeah. encouraging to see how well it's done as well. I actually feel like reading all the other reviews and stuff since ours came out um, and since mm. the record came out, I feel like I've been one of the most, I, I mean, I wasn't negative about the record at all. The I'm negative really... one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I see what you did there. That was that was sick. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. Just trying to think of more. <laughs> not puns. Uh, go on, carry on. Yeah, you're um, one of the more dissenting I, I felt, voices. I felt like I was one of the most dissenting voices, even though my voice wasn't particularly dissenting. Yeah. Goodness me. Um, and uh, yeah, like people just love it. And it, it seems across the board, everyone's saying best record since volume three, mm. which is awesome. So the maggots are surfacing. Oh, <laughs> he's done it. He's actually done it. Um, here she comes. I really uh, want to get the heretic anthem in there, but I can't think how to do it. You're not getting that in there, mate. Not a chance. Um, you've got uh, not a ch chance in. No, I can't do it. Um, anyway, but that is yeah, yeah. But that's really, really good. And even the guy in the enemy doesn't know about music. Gave it a good review. <laughs> Me and Reverie just having a big chat about me. The guy slagged off from the enemy last week. Again, I you know shouldn't say that he doesn't know about metal. And straight away I go, he doesn't know about metal. <laughs> yeah, what a good, prick. Good. Good, okay, yeah. He probably does. To be fair, he's given Slipknot a good review. He yes. probably does know about metal. He just doesn't five. know about people. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Slipknot could be and should be and probably will be number one, which is great news. Yeah, that'd be great. Mm. First time since Iowa. Iowa. Hmm. Yeah, 18 years. Remember that came out? Remember what that kept off the top of the charts? No. Three albums, big albums released in one week, all very, very different. It was Iowa by Slipknot, which was the kind of um, 
that was not the favourite by any stretch of the imagination. No, I can't um, imagine it would have been. Uh, is it uh, the first Strokes album? Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? That was also released that week, and that was kind of the hot favourite. But also, Five had an album out that week. Oh, and they'd had two number one albums pre- prior to that, and they ended up coming in number three. Everyone said, oh, Slipknot will be number three, and then the other two will kind of fight for number one, and it'll probably be the Strokes because they're the big hype band. Slipknot are number one. So There we go. Good days. Good Happy days. days. That yeah. was, wasn't it? Good let's time. go back to 2001. Mm. Um, mm. Cool. So let's do some reviews straight away, and we'll get onto the Bloodstock review later on, but there are five very sizable albums out this week, um, and one of them is kind of a surprise release. I mean, this hasn't been released physically yet. No, uh, and it sort of right. just dropped, didn't it? <laughs> when like before, I did press. I fucking loved albums just dropping, and then as soon as it becomes like a job thing, um, we had this. Uh, so this is the Bonavere record. Yeah, it's Bonavere. It's I comma I by Bonavere. So it's the I fourth. I. That's what it's called. I comma I. <laughs> well, I, I comma I comma I. Is that how I. it's meant to be pronounced? We don't yes, know. I, I. Oh. Ooh. Lovely stuff. Well done. Thank you. Uh, the fourth studio album from Justin Vernon and his uh, group of folk indie turned soul pop megastars, I guess you would say. Uh, the follow up yeah. to 22 Million, which we featured on a Rioters review some months back. Go and find that if you want to find out our thoughts on that record. It was actually the reason, more or less, we started Rioters Review. I yeah. believe it was, yeah, it was. Alistair McMillan. I mm. apologise if I got that wrong. But um, he suggested it and he wants us to talk about uh, Bonnevere 22 million. And I think we just expanded it into a writer's review. We so did. Yeah, we did. And uh, so, you know, go and have a little listen to that. You can pause this now and go and find that if you're interested in, in that um, that chat. But um, yeah, a surprise release. And you were saying yeah, a it surprise was, release. It was, we had it down as coming out 30th of August, which is when the physicals are coming out. But um, it just got plunked up onto streaming services last Dude. Friday. Because mm. um, you can do that now. Um, and uh, yeah, he surprised everyone. And I think it's been it's been an interesting... <laughs> the, obviously, there's been this big sort of race to get reviews up, which is often the case. Um, and I think as a result, we have a very mixed bag of reviews. Um, so there's quite a few reviews saying... It's the best album he's done since his debut album, From a Forever Ago. Mm-hmm. Almost cocked that, but did quite well. And then um, The Guardian, for example, gave it two stars. I saw that. Now, I've not read The Guardian review yet, but that seemed to be one uh, quite a minor dissenting voice in what I looks like being quite uh, quite a lot of um, heady praise for this record. I would say overall it's positive, mm-hmm. most definitely. But uh, but it is it is... I guess it's just broad the the, the yeah. and it feels like I mean <laughs> well the first thing I will say is a record like this is is very very dense and it's very subtly dense difficult um, to get your head around this yeah in such a short space of time I yeah. have to admit I found it difficult I mean my first note here from when I first listened to it said it sounds like a traffic jam crying <laughs> that's good <laughs> And it kind of does. Like, that was my initial thing, was like, this is... It's funny, actually, because Emily, my girlfriend, was like, oh, I like Bon Iver. It sends me to sleep. She's like, oh, that puts me to sleep. Yeah, she's talking about early Bon Iver. And I was like, this ain't going to put you to sleep. This no. is nightmarish. Well, this I should... won't put you to sleep at all. This is like, just suddenly goes, eh, 
I'm like, you ain't falling asleep to that. That's fantastic. It's like falling asleep in a fucking heavy artillery machine factory. <laughs> like, what? You, you can sleep through that. You can, if you can sleep through this album, you can sleep through anything. Well, as Bon Iver's career stands now, at the present moment, you can split it into two pretty easily. So I'd say the first two records are more um, kind of traditional folky. That probably isn't quite the best way to describe them but certainly in comparison to the latter two records which mm. feel far more experimental and using modern production techniques um, in order to create this folk electronica hybrid where he's sort of recording songs cutting them up pacing them into different sections it's a sort of it's kind of the approach that um radiohead used with kid a and yeah. amnesiac actually mm-hmm. it's quite reminiscent of that way of doing things i think i would assume anyway i've never actually read it read it up or anything like that but it certainly sounds like it's that kind of approach of like putting a collage of sounds together so you'll get a horn section coming in here and then a gospel choir coming in there and then you know your wonderful impression is that <laughs> yeah yeah well you know thank you and my i think my impression is a masterpiece in same way as kid a and amnesiac i, was like, I so thought it was nice, as good as the record very nice of you to say that <laughs> um uh, yeah i mean I, I i would have to defer to you on the earlier bonavere material um but certainly uh 22 million was a record that I found pretty frustrating to be perfectly honest. I think mm. we spoke about it on Rioters review and it, you know, it just felt like a lot of ideas and nothing was really kind of flushed out and fleshed out properly. Um, yes, I would agree. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I found that quite frustrating. I felt like there were points. I mean, I guess, you know, like there's something cool about a band who can, uh, who can do, a lot in a very very short space of time or an artist you can do a lot in a very very short space of which time which is definitely happening here which is I would definitely say. definitely happening um certainly on 22 million that did happen but oh, do you not think it's happening here as well I, I i do think it's happening here but i think well what i was going to get to is i think that those ideas are now taken to their logical conclusion a lot more i agree i mean again to um i don't want to keep going on about fucking talk talk all the time but there's a touch of the you know the, the spirit of Eden about this. I, I think, think there's a lot of talk talk in latter Bonnevere. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a bad comparison at all. Mm. Um, and I, I, I do wonder, I, I wonder if um, Justin Vernon, I mean, I, I would put money on him being inspired and influenced by certainly latter talk talk, mm. latter day talk talk. I would have, I would have thought, yeah. That's I mean, there surprising. were passages on it that just were like out and out. I just thought this, just sounds like the way it would just be a horn in the kind of distance almost mm. and very 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 low electronic frequencies yeah i was like this is really really like a kind of modern production version of spirit of eden like it's not a million miles away no, and i i didn't really get that on the last one because i felt like everything had to happen within you know 90 seconds two minutes two and a half minutes yeah and i think there's a lot more room to breathe on this record. I agree. And I, and I think it's a hell of a lot better for it. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, it does feel like um, the collages of sound, if you will, on 22 million are all kind of vying mm-hmm. for space, sometimes all at the same time, yeah. in my opinion. And and whereas on this album, it feels like we get more um, songs, basically, as opposed to just... They do. They feel like songs. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to, I think we both said more unfinished ideas in mm. uh on 22 million and i know that a lot of people don't agree with that there's a lot of people who think 22 million is an absolute modern masterpiece i think it's an incredibly interesting record yeah, which is almost like yeah. almost like a stepping stone to maybe this mm. or maybe whatever the fifth record is or maybe bonavera will just change it up all over again and do yeah. something totally different um it should also be noted there are over 30 musicians on this record and it's like not surprising, really. It, it's quite the, yeah. It's a, there's a lot of you can. I I feel like you can tell that. Yeah. The one thing I will say about this record, and and that in regards to that as well, is sometimes. So we spoke about Kanye West last week, mm. and you know I ain't slagging that record off because I I actually I like it, but it doesn't feel to me like you can hear. You know when you see the production credits and it's like loads of people. Yes. And I'm always a little bit like, and you know, uh, Chinese democracy, you look at it and you go, there's like 500 people working on this record. Where are they? What were mm. they doing? Like, I know there's a lot I of see shit. It, on- I see it more with Chinese democracy than I do with Kanye, if I'm honest. Right, okay. But yeah, but, yeah I, I get what you're saying. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, those songs are sparse is what I'm saying. They're sparse and they feel like one dude with one thing. I, I Chinese democracy? Like, no, 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 no. The 808s and heartbreaks. You know, it's like that feels like quite minimalist and this even though it can be uh i think what i'm trying to say is is that it feels like there's a lot of people filling that room this feels like real music and again you know we were talking about auto-tune last week there was a a disarmingly large amount of auto-tune i felt on 22 million which is not something that i particularly like yes and it's sometimes off-putting on 22 million it's been stripped down uh on this it, noticeably i think it, there's still a couple of bits of those modern like wow yeah, yeah. Ooh, bit that i don't care for that it's much either stripped down or certainly far better utilized mm-hmm. i would say um to the point anyone who listened to last week will uh know that i didn't enjoy uh the amount of out- auto tune that's on 808s and heartbreaks yeah heartbreak but uh I mean, it really is all over that record. Whereas mm. on this, it does feel like it's just used for, I don't know, texture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I guess. And it feels like, I, I, you know, I, I think this feels like a, this could be, a lot of modern records don't feel in any way analog to me. Mm. Whereas this does feel, it's got a, it's actually quite a warm sound. I think I, I actually tweeted, some albums are headphone albums. When I listen to this, I listen to this in the car. When yeah. I first listened to it on a good stereo speakers yeah. in a, in a car, but I got nothing from it the first listen through right. when I was driving back yeah. from Bloodstock. But then, <laughs> yeah, because I just seen the Scorpions. Um, <laughs> and um, but uh, but then when I put it on my headphones again, you know, when I put it on my headphones, and someone tweeted me and said, "Well, surely every album sounds better when you put it on a good pair of headphones." And it's like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true uh, to a point, but. You know, minor threats sound exactly the same, yeah. just 
in your ears and that sounds in yeah. your ears sounds better but Whereas I, this really does change dynamically it changes and i think it's a very well produced record it changes oh, and it yeah. feels like you can hear everyone in the room doing yeah. their own little bit so i like the sort of human element of it you when you put a headphone record on what we would describe as a headphone record there are suddenly things that you can hear in it which you could not hear yeah. without the music being that physically close to your ears, yes almost yeah. well there are some things that whereas minor threat you, yeah you, you hear, just hear you everything hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah wherever <clears throat> you listen to it um and that's definitely got this i mean i think there's a sweet spot in this record i don't think it's I think it, I think I will grow to like this more because I mean yeah, there's I a run of like Holyfield's Haymar yep. you man like is fucking awesome. You man like is my favorite song on the record. My only issue with it is it's too short. There's a turn up for the books. Well it's two and a half minutes two long. Two and a half minutes and yeah. I I want it to be double that length yeah, but it, it's, it's really that's cool. the highlight for me mm. that particular song. I mean actually like I think Haymar is uh, the best one. Oh okay. Three. Hey, Mars, but great. I, but I think that's the kind of that is the sweet spot in, in this record. And you know, it starts kind of pretty good. I mean, um, Immy, I don't know how you say these songs. I M I is quite good. That's one that's got James Blake on. Oh right. And it sounds a bit like it's got James Blake on as well, whatever that means. Um <laughs> <laughs> Is that that's the first track proper, I'm guessing. Yeah, as in the yeah, first yeah. song proper. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a little thirty second intro <clears> thing. And um, I think it dips a little tiny bit in the middle after man, uh, after you man like, and then I think it gets strong again towards the end. Yeah, I, actually, I would more or less agree with that um, mm. from the half a dozen listens I've given it. Yeah, um, but, I, but but it feels it flows like an album, and twenty two million to me, yeah, just jolted me around. And even though I sort of took the piss at the start and went, you know, it sounds like a car crash and all a load of horns yeah. going off or someone like booing over the top of it. I do think that despite that, it does feel much more um cohesive and that spirit of eden comparison yeah um i think is you know very very it is like again it, i probably would compare I th because that is such a massive album because that is such an influential album it's very difficult not to kind of go straight to that as like year zero for that this sort of thing but every time i hear very very low frequencies and then sort of trumpets and horn sections coming yeah. in kind of almost at random in the background i am straight away like talk talk i think it's pretty undeniable i'd be mm. really shocked if if the, that influence wasn't there i'd be mm. really stunned mm. but um i think this is a really accomplished record as i say it's a little bit difficult for us because we have not had it very long no. um five or six days and um you re I, it, it's undoubtedly a record which you need to sit with for a long time i feel um but i already like it more than 22 a million yeah me too um uh, even after four or five days and I, i'm pretty sure in a couple of months time i'll come back to it and be like yeah this is a fantastic record I, i'm a bit reluctant to say that at this present mm. moment but i like it a lot i know i like I, it a lot like it like i actually remember being a bit turned off by 22 million mm. and and then us knowing that we we're going to be reviewing bonavere again and me being like he's so critically acclaimed and mm. i was like oh am i just gonna is he gonna be one of them people that i just don't like and i slag mm. off and then the first listen i was like yeah probably <laughs> and then it took a couple of goes i mean i've probably listened to this i've made a point of listening to this more than any other record this week yeah. even though it's the one we've had the least amount of time with just about 
just um, you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute uh but um but i really i actually really really like it like i really like it and i like it more and more every time i listen to it <clears> and i think it will stick with me it's probably not quite as instantaneous as say the national record i think the national is still in terms of a record from this scene yeah. i feel like the national record is still the one to beat from this scene at the yeah. moment but i think this is probably a more in terms of its composition nah, and actually that's probably that's bullshit I, I, there's a lot more going on here like sonically there's a lot more being chucked at the wall than there is on the national record Definitely. the national record is quite uh is fairly straightforward but i think you can see there's a gen- genetic blue not straightforward i would say the national record is straightforward in comparison to this i yes. wouldn't call it a straightforward record no overall. no 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 but what i mean is it's not like it doesn't suddenly veer wildly off track Whereas this occasionally still does. But yeah. Not in a particularly but bad way. But not in a bad way. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, it does feel like that this is new, completely new territory. I don't know many people who are doing, or anyone no. really, who is doing what Bonivere is doing. I mean, do suggest stuff if anyone does think there is. But, and, you know, 22 million felt like the record where he began to experiment with that sort of thing. And this feels like a record where he's finally sort of got the hang, hang of it mm. and maybe the next one will be you know the absolute gold standard of it. i don't know i can see that um 22 million um dillinger comparison but actually certainly for the second half of their career this feels more like dillinger because they mm. write bigger longer uh, 22 million would be more like like full of hell mm. on acoustic mm. <laughs> mm. Do you know what i mean mm. so um yeah i can sort of see it but uh, I definitely think, yeah, you're right. It's more accomplished. And he's got a good voice as well, hasn't he? I love Justin's voice. He's got it's a amazing. great voice. Yeah. Like, yeah. dude's got a great voice. I mean, to be honest, I must, I think I may give you a, one of the earlier Bon Iver albums for a trade-off one day because um, uh, it's even less affected on the earlier stuff. The auto-tune thing really came in on 22 a million, more yeah. m- mainly. Um, and it's even more obvious how incredible his voice is on the on those first two records. But yeah, um, I I I really I like this a lot, and I think he's a fantastic singer songwriter. I mean, that doesn't even feel accurate when you've got a band of thirty people <laughs> behind you. But you know, um, yeah, I think I think this is a far more a far better record in my opinion than twenty two million. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, it's called I, I. That is how you say it. It's by Bon Iver and it is out to stream <laughs> right now. Um, let's move on to another singer-songwriter of sorts, uh, Frank Turner and his new album, No Man's Land. So this is the eighth album from the uh, punk rock folk troubadour. I said troubadour again. Fuck it. Why not? Um, this is a concept album about the struggles and stories of women over the ages and has proven to be, Rimfrey, a bit of a hot potato mm. within the not at all judgmental um, and <laughs> UK punk scene who are not judgmental at all uh, and they haven't got a preordained opinion about Frank Turner. Absolutely honest, not. Honestly. No, no. Yeah. Um, I w- I'm g- If you don't mind, I'm going to read... He produced a very good blog about it which i'm not going to read in full mm-hmm. because it is quite long yes, please don't. 
Uh, <laughs> I am going to read about half of it because I do think it contextualizes it quite well okay. and will probably make points that we might have made anyway, but he's actually thought about them and just put them very cohesively, yeah. I believe. So. Uh, so this is from Frank Turner's website. He says, the record is first and foremost a piece of storytelling, a history record, if you will, a pretty traditional folk approach. I didn't actually set out to write exclusively about women. In the beginning, I was just toying with various stories that felt interesting to tell. And I was keen after my recent records to write about something other than my own life and feelings. Now, clearly, there is an implicit politics in the fact that in telling lesser known stories, I've ended up singing about women. And I'll stand behind that for what it's worth. But my initial interest was in sharing some stories that I didn't know before and that I suspect most people didn't. I think that's fair to say. Yep. Nevertheless, as I say, there is a political angle to the record, and it's one I'd like to handle sensitively. I welcome intelligent, good-faith discussion of the point, actually. The main question that is being asked, and it's a fair one, is what right I have, as a man, to write songs about women. That deserves a thoughtful response from me. My answer comes in two parts. Firstly, for the most part, these are stories that have not and are not being told right now, and I think they deserve to be. I feel like I'm not crowding out other voices in releasing these songs. It seems to me that songs about Huda, Huda Sharawari, apologies if I've cocked that up uh, pronunciation-wise, and Catherine Blake, to name but two, are rather thin on the ground right now, as far as I'm aware. I've learned so much in researching and writing this project, so I'd like to share that knowledge. And given the streaming world we live in, me putting out a collection of songs doesn't lessen the bandwidth for other writers to make their own statements. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I'd flip the question a bit. I'm a songwriter and a singer. Writing and releasing and then promoting music is what I do. I could write another album about my own life, or I suppose a record about men from history, but I'm not sure I see the point, especially the latter option. And it doesn't catch my creative interest right now. For better or worse, I have an audience who are interested in the music I make and who will listen to the next album I put out. Having a platform, why not use it for something more interesting or worthwhile? Last paragraph. I have not tried to present this record as an aggressively feminist statement. I have no issue with that word. In fact, I'm very much in favour of feminism and equality in general, but putting that first would seem overbearing to me. I'm not trying to lead a parade I have no right to lead. My approach is perhaps best summed up by the name of a group I do a lot of work with on tour, the Ally Coalition. It seems to me that my best contribution to all of this is to be just that, an ally, to use whatever I pl platform I have to steer the conversation amongst my audience into better territory as best as I can. What a Brexit Tory bastard. <laughs> I mean, I... Uh, I... I read a lot of stuff on Twitter about Frank Turner. That's why I'm doing this. I don't think <laughs> that. it's funny. I... Um, I think the ally thing is interesting. I do think, I understand, do I understand it? <laughs> I, do, I, I, I somewhat, uh, I, on. I was talking to, out, I was talking to, you right wing nut job. <laughs> I was talking to people about 2000, uh, 2000 trees about this. And, um, I said, I wonder if people would kick off if Jamie Lenman decided to write a album about chuck reagan <laughs> or chuck reagan yeah or yeah, chuck yeah. reagan Quite. or uh in city in color yeah dallas green dallas yeah. green no they wouldn't um and yes i think They'd the answer go, is oh, no he's great isn't he dallas yes green. i imagine so and i do think that it is basically down to frank turner being a huge artist in the uk certainly um less so around the world although that is that is happening he's beginning to make waves in america certainly um 
it does just feel like, oh, he's popular, so let's take pot shots at him. And I, I, I actually use Jamie Lenman as an example because they used, well, used to be, I assume they still are, but they grew up in the scene together. They were both on Extra Mile. Ruben mm-hmm. and Million Dead were both on Extra Mile. Uh, Frank Turner's in some of Ruben's videos, you know. So, like, that's the reason I use that as an example. I think they, they came from the same place, effectively. Um, and I just, I can't imagine... I'm not saying Jamie would do that necessarily, but I just cannot imagine people would have an issue with it. So um, I do no, think it's all a little bit storm in a teacup. Although if you disagree, I would be curious as to why. And, but you know, not in a, don't be a twat about it. Don't like call us. A bit late for that, mate. <laughs> but I would, yeah, I, I, I think at the end of the day, Allies. I think you should be able to write a song about whatever the fuck you want to write a song about, to be perfectly honest. And yeah. I think that is the end of it. Yeah. If you want to write a song about how brilliant Hitler was, you should be allowed to do that. I do and think people... fuck have... you if you don't like it. Don't listen to it and don't buy it. Fuck off. I do think people have the right to do that. Yeah, that's, of course. That's what free speech is. And mm-hmm. it's the, it's the um, double-edged sword of free speech that a lot of the time people might write about stuff that we don't want them to but it's free speech it is it yep. is it is allowed you know yeah it, um, is, it is allowed you might not like it and you might not want to give them a platform and the other argument about whether or not you want them on there on your festival bill and blah 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 is is one thing but if someone feels compelled to, to write a song about something for whatever reason we as reviewers and journalists my my immediate natural reaction to that is not to go no, you mustn't, mm. is to try and understand where that comes from. Mm. Like, if we got given a Burzum album to mm. listen to mm. tomorrow, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go, no. Yeah, I would go, okay, what's what's this actually about? Quite. Right? Yep. And that's not my job to go, well, you know, obviously I... I don't think Varg Vikernes seems like a nice guy, Renfrey. I don't no. care how you might judge me on that. Um, but... Uh, but at the end of the day, if he's writing music, it's kind of our job to go, right, well, what's he talking about? And if we listen to it and go, wow, he seems like a really morally reprehensible fuckface, mm. then okay, cool. But to the idea that he's not allowed to release that or he shouldn't do that or you can't take a subject and sing about it, I just think is disastrously boring. I also think listening to the record a few times and also listening to, we should also say there's a podcast that accompanies this mm-hmm. uh uh album and i have listened to every episode up to uh as we record this i think six episodes have gone out they're about half an hour long presented by frank and he also um talks to a a historian who goes through each individual story and i have to say um the podcast series is really great really fantastic um I'm going to make a Foo Fighters comparison here uh, to Sonic Highways. Oh, Sonic Highways. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, Sonic Highways was a um, not wonderful Foo Fighters record, um, but produced this amazing eight part HBO television series, which was yeah. absolutely Fucking incredible. Brilliant. Yeah. The album was bummed. Yeah. Um, I would say in this case, I certainly think No Man's Land is a better record than Sonic Highways. Why I'm comparing them. It's a weird comparison, but I certainly prefer the record. I don't think the podcast series is of the, you know, heights of that amazing HBO 
um, eight part series. But then yeah. having said that, I'm sure Mr. Grohl had a lot more money to play with than Mr. Turner had. Yeah. Um, and but and I do think the accompanying podcast series, it, I've got a lot. I have got a lot out of it for, for what is ostensibly a piece of promotional material for mm. his new album, and that's looking at it horribly cynically but but that is partly what it is mm. it's some of the best promotional material i've ever heard because it's some of these stories are genuinely interesting they're genuinely fascinating well, and they definitely add to the songs after i've heard the story right okay yeah i mean i, I imagine they do I, I to be honest I, I haven't listened to the podcast um and i've listened to the album a few times and i'm not even a massive i mean you know, i wouldn't even call myself a frank turner fan to mm. be honest I don't. I think I own like one of his records. Um, fucking love Knee Jerk. I think mm. I've said that before. Mm. Um, million but, Dead. You Million Dead. I, not really. No. Never oh, really got into. Love, them love Million Dead. Yeah. All right. Probably go back and listen to them a bit more because I know they are, you know, fetid by people. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I. Um, but you know, I have absolutely no problem with the concept. And actually, for me, the most interesting thing of this record is it's probably lyrically far more interesting to me than it is musically i will say that i think the stories and what you get out of it from actually sitting down and engaging with the songs and what they're about i find them i find that more rewarding than just them as songs as a kind of a pop song because definitely because I, I, I think you know this album doesn't do a lot for me musically okay. to, to kind of get into the record. It doesn't do a lot for me musically, although I think there's some excellent songs in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think we need to start with Sister Rosetta, don't we? We have to. Yeah, go on. So it. Sister Rosetta is a pretty decent song about um, the very well, massively influential Sister Rosetta Tharp, who recently was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm. um, posthumously. Mm-hmm. Um, influence the likes of Little Richard and Elvis Presley and all the yeah. 50s rock and roll yeah, greats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my mum's a big fan of Sister Rosetta. Oh, really? A lot. Yeah, yeah cool. she really liked her. Um, she liked that stuff. Um, but, well, how can I put this? It sounds like Stacey's mom by the Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> it, yeah. It, and it really sounds like Stacey's mom by the Fountains of Wayne. And unfortunately, once Impossibly you... Impossibly once, so. <laughs> once you... I mean, it's it's performed with a, a, a much more. Um, uh, I mean, I prefer Sister Rosetta. To I don't. Stacey's I mom. prefer Stacey's mom. <laughs> uh, yes, undeniably, the chords are Stacey's enormously. Mom is Sister Rosetta. Oh, <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> so I I did actually look up um, Stacey's mum and Sister Rosetta on Twitter, and only three other people have pointed it out so far. Right, we discussed this over the phone yesterday. I was like, "Oh, all right, you've seen it." As yeah, well. I, it was so amazing when it came on. Like, straight away, I just went, "This is Stacey's mum." I noticed it. He performed it at Two Thousand Trees, and I noticed it then. I was like, "Huh?" It's you, <laughs> honestly. Even if you fucking hate Frank Turner, if you've got no or you've got no interest in Frank Turner, you got to get down on this because yeah. it's fucking. <laughs> unbelievable that he has written he's written stacy's mom i mean look to be fair like it happens all the time people accidentally like they get (laughs) songs or melodies in their head accidentally um and you know we're not doing we're not like being like oh foundations of wayne should take him to court or anything like that you know but yeah it happens it happens yeah and uh maybe frank's a big fan i don't know wow hey who wouldn't be a fan of that it is un. It is uncanny. 
Um, it's and fucking hilarious. It's, it's kind really of it's it certainly ruined that song for me. In fact, I would even go as far as to say it's probably my least favorite song on the record. Probably as a result of the association with Stacey's yeah. mum. I like it because it sounds because it it sounds like Stacey, and I sing Stacey's mum a lot. <laughs> She's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Stacey's mum's <laughs> got it. it it, honestly, my God, you have to, you have to listen to this. Yeah, yeah it's undeniable. It's one of the, you know, I hope Spotify on that song suddenly <laughs> zooms up by like a million people. Go, That's Nathan's mum. But there are also good songs on this record. Hey, I'm not slagging that song off, by the way. For the record, I actually really like it. I just okay. think I just, I just sing Stacey's mum. Yeah, yeah. I think there are, so this record is produced by Catherine Marks and she won um, Producer of the Year last year with um, Producer, oh, what is the damn awards called? Some production awards. But she's Producer of the Year. She has produced... Uh, Modern Ruin by Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, mm-hmm. and uh, she also produced the last Manchester Orchestra record, which I we go should on say about actually quite that everybody on this record, apart from Frank, is is uh, is female, right? Is a woman, yes, indeed. Yeah, uh, prick. <laughs> what a bastard! What a prick! Um, how dare he? Uh, yes, this album is not with his usual band, Sleeping Souls. Uh, they are all women who play on it, wherever it be. And there's some really nice production stuff going on mm. on it, like there's quite a few choirs and things like that yeah yeah there's some um, cool stuff like like there's some sonic loveliness on it the graveyard of the outcast dead is well good if you like i love Pogues or even the dropkick murphys but yep. with a kind of almost victorian um grave digger uh like glumness to it that is one of my favorite it's a songs wicked, that's a great record. song and i will also say uh it's probably thus far of the six podcasts that have been released it's probably the most interesting podcast for my money as well right, okay. very quickly i'm gonna go into what that song's about i'm not gonna do it with all of the songs but i just want to give you an idea of the stories that are being told mm-hmm. so that song the graveyard of the outcast dead is about the uh winchester geese they were a group of women who worked in the brothels on the bank of the thames and these women were employed by the church oh yeah of all people already interesting specifically the bishop of winchester which is particularly interesting to frank because he's from winchester and i went to uni at winchester so it's interesting to me as well (laughs) (laughs) when these women died they were buried in a mass grave for the outcast dead in southwark which is just a few miles from where we're we're recording this at Mm. the moment um and they were buried on unconsecrated ground which was a big deal at the time basically all uh graves were blessed um and stuff and despite the fact that these women were working for the church i mean the church were effectively pimping them out which sounds bizarre but that's what was happening um but they wouldn't consecrate the ground because it was considered an unclean profession and as a result the grounds were closed the women were forgotten about and the ground where they lay has been built on over years and years and the bones and skeletons of hundreds of women were rediscovered and the site has been turned oh. into a memorial garden which I is now I'm feeling it turns like a weather spoon <laughs> no well I think there were I think they were building on it for a bit you know yeah um, and um, yeah it's been turned into a memorial garden uh, called Crossbones right. it's Crossbones Graveyard and you know these are really genuinely interesting stories, and it's obvious from the podcast. I mean, Frank Turner is a history, self-confessed history nerd. Mm. He's really, it's really obvious from the podcast that he really is interested and enthusiastic about this kind of stuff. And I think he writes about that really beautifully. I mean, he writes from the perspective of one of these women on that song, 
But it says, um, they buried my body on Christmas in the ground by the South River Bank. Worked my death for my very last breath. I had the Winchester bishops to thank. Now the church held the keys to the brothel, lit the window with the burning right, red light. While I teased the funds from the pockets of John's, the bishop got rich in the night. Mm. You know, and like... You're banned from reading for the rest of this podcast. Right, okay, way. fine. Because <laughs> uh, you start thinking that you're fucking Wordsworth or something. Yeah, you do. do. You start rolling your arms and flicking your arms around. I love it. I don't want to see that. I'd... <laughs> Um, uh, I'm getting all Jack and Ori on your ass. <laughs> you are. Um, You're not Rick Mail. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you think you are. Um, the lioness sounds like against me. It's really good, and I love the. She isn't going to hide her face, know her place. Anymore. The lioness is brilliant. Yeah, um, really, really rocking. Like the yeah, most rocking song great. by far. And um, stuff like yeah. I mean, I, I obviously I don't know the stories, but a lot of them like what's the one? The hymn of um, Cassiani. Cassiani. Yeah, it's like a really illuminating about the, this woman who rejected the king. And even though I don't know yeah. specifically or precisely what that is about. Just the way that story's told, I think, is really cool. So I think there is a lot that is good on this yeah, record. Yeah, it's a woman from Constantinople in oh, the... Uh... <laughs> all right, all right, I won't go into it, the podcast. It's, it's on the, why are you doing Frank Turner's podcast for him? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. It's very good, it's an interesting He's story. not going to review the bloody feeder album on it halfway through, is he? I hope he does. <laughs> Can you imagine? All right, guys. <laughs> Oh, imagine the punk rock. Imagine the, the punk rock, UK punk rock, Twitter, Frank. elite Turner, Frank Turner's side reviewing the. He's a he's basically up Boris Johnson's ass because he <laughs> likes feeder. What are you on about? What are you What are you on about, Frank? If you'd like to review this review, you're more than welcome to. That's absolutely fine. Um, something I would say about this album, I think it's, and this is going to be an unusual phrase that I use here, but I think it's bottom heavy, um, in that. Uh, record that is top heavy all the songs good songs are at the front and i think this record gets brilliant towards the Ooh, end stacy's mum's track too no oh, that's a good point um <laughs> i think like the last few songs is like rescue annie is absolutely amazing a perfect wife is towards the end i think eye of the day a lot a lot of the really good songs are kind of you know track 10 11 the, 12 yeah I mean, the three I mentioned as being the best ones, I think, uh, eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm oh, sorry, nine, ten, and eleven, even. There even better. Go. There we go. Out of thirteen. Out of thirteen. Um, and, and yeah, Rosemary Jane, the last track is really Rosemary good. Rosemary Jane's well. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, really, really good song. And I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, which is quite unusual for most records. Um, I do, you know, if I'm being super, super picky. I do think the record's a bit long. It's just under 50 minutes long, yeah. 13 songs. Um, whilst I do think it's bottom heavy, as I'm going to continue to use that expression, mm. I think it's, you know, over, overall this album has stuck with me a lot more than his previous two albums, Positive Songs for Positive People and... Uh, no, Positive Songs for Negative People and Be More Kind. Um, mm. And I am I am a bigger Frank fan than you, certainly. I certainly listen to all his albums. And um, those two, for whatever reason, just didn't really stick with me. Whereas this one has done. I think the yeah, podcast. Really it's really good. I think the podcast accompanying it has really helped because mm. I listened to it a couple of times without the podcast, without having heard the podcast. And then when I heard the podcast, I was it just made me want to go back and listen to those songs again. Um, but I think you know, I I really encourage more of this kind of stuff. I think it's really cool when you have further almost like further reading which you can do with the record and you can yeah, yeah. dive even deeper into it if you want and um it's making me appreciate the record more and, and there's another six seven episodes to come mm. um and i imagine you know once they're all out i might even 
prefer um, I might even like the record even more so yeah, yeah I think it's decent yeah it's some good stuff on it some good stuff yeah. I'm sure and you're right I mean it's an interesting idea I look forward to his next album um, about every each individual different member of the Bullingdon Club <laughs> <laughs> oh god Stacey's mum has got it going on um, why are you looking at me like that I don't know <laughs> no do you know what um, although I would say you're quite right I think it's kind of um it gets better as the record goes on. I yeah. think maybe that's why I was a bit like, nah, I'm not so sure because the first half of it is all right. I, I do agree, actually. I think the first half's fine. But there's three it's or okay. four really, really good songs towards the end of it. I'm not going to turn around and say that I love this record because mm. I definitely don't love it. Mm. Uh, it's an interesting concept, which I think he has every right to make. Mm. And I think there's some, you know, like I, I mentioned, lyrically, Everything on it's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I just think some of the music, especially in the first half, is a bit like ho hum. But when it gets like you know, like I say on Lioness, when it goes quite against me, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's a bit more punky, I quite like it. I, I generally agree with you. I would yeah. say there's five or six songs on this album which are which are excellent, mm. rather than three or four. But yeah, I I I I think it is worth those good songs. You know, yeah. I'm very pleased he put it out. I think it's really good. And a lot of this is done in jest. Probably, like, if you're the sort of person who's been offended by any of what I've been saying, probably you are the butt of my jokes, ultimately. <laughs> so You're probably listening to the wrong podcast. Yeah, you probably <laughs> are, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, that is Frank Turner, No Man's Land, and it is out now. Let's move on to Sleater Kinney, The Centre Won't Hold, which is the ninth studio album from the influential Riot Girl band from the 90s and beyond, because they've come back, uh, have released an album in 2015 called No Cities to Love we now have another album which is a bit weird always we've spoken about the kind of weirdness of a band who so what they split up in 2006 they went on hiatus in 2006 yeah hiatus in 2006 came back in 2014 so you got about eight years without them being a band everyone goes oh they're back and they're probably bigger and more influential than they were when they left and Mm. and they released a record and everyone went, cool. Great records. Well, you know, I've never heard it. So this oh, is what I'm going to say, actually, Renfrey. Um, I don't really know anything about Sleater Kinney other than the fact that I really like Portlandia, which has got Carrie Brownstein yeah. in. It's um, not only got her in, she wrote it, I she think. She wrote it with oh. uh, Fred Armisen, yeah. yeah. Great um, show. Listening I, to this made me go, oh, I really like Portlandia. <laughs> <laughs> I really love Sleater Kinney. I think they are an incredibly important band. I think they were... Um, I mean, I suppose I'm always sort of reticent to use the Riot Girl tag mm. um, because it, I mean, these days it feels a little bit, um, um, I don't know, just, just antiquated. But but they yeah, certainly... But it was the name of the, ty- the band that came through at that time and it was certainly that scene. And I think like a lot of them did... Uh, certainly, self-identify as that. Yeah, I think a band like kind of Sleater Kinney definitely did, yeah. and, and 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 I don't know if they would use it now. I, I've no idea, by the way. Um, but I, but yeah, but they they were definitely a big important part of that scene. But they were a band who, you know, they've always what is this? This is their eighth record, isn't it? Ninth, ninth. Apologies. So they've they've done um a lot of records which have this kind of sort of scuzzy sub pop. They were yeah, on sub pop yeah. kind of um garage punk thing but they've always uh every record definitely sounds like a they're different from one another however 
this record is a really big jump in terms of how different it is and has had a oh i mean there is there is something that we need to talk about with this record which is undeniable in that it was announced um and oh, yeah, then it was undeniably announced <laughs> you cannot argue i know a lot of people have been saying that it hasn't been announced but it was definitely announced you're in a funny mood it. today haven't you <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, and shortly after it was announced their drummer of 24 years i believe mm. Maybe twenty five. Janet Vice. Not to be com- com- mixed up with um, Susan Sarandon's character from the Rocky Horror Picture Show of the same name. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I was, I couldn't yeah, picture. Not her. Mm, right, okay. Yeah. Janet Vice, not the Rocky Horror Picture Show character, mm. uh, left the band on uh, Monday the 1st of July. Um, uh, well, that's when it was announced. Um, you know, which is an odd move yeah. six weeks before your new album is due to when come it's out that second album of your comeback as well mm. which is always the like one her press statement said after, oh i'm gonna do more reading tough shit oh, mate. God. what are you gonna do here we go after intense deliberation and heavy sadness i've decided to leave sleeta kinney the band is heading in a new direction and it is time for me to move on and it absolutely i mean the band undoubtedly are heading in a new direction mm. this record is produced with saint vincent it is yeah aka annie clark Formerly um, of the polyphonic spree. Oh, I didn't know that. Just I mean, who, ha- who hasn't been in the polyphonic spree? Yeah, let's no, face it. <laughs> also, she's done backing. She's done backing vocals for Swans as well. No way. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. Um, I certainly think you can hear the Saint Vincent vibe on this. I mean, yeah. as someone who doesn't know. Sle- you you obviously had an idea of what Sleater Kinney were are. Or I've were. seen them. Or oh. I've seen them. I saw them at Reading in I want nineteen ninety eight. Okay, so I am guessing when you pr- I was in my new metal phase, so it didn't really didn't do anything for you. But I, I do I'd remember s- being like, oh, they sound like you know, kind of a slightly less aggressive Babes in Toyland or L Seven or but more indie. That's what I remember thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's not totally unfair. I think they're better than both of those bands. I have to say, but um. I'm assuming when you pressed play on this, it was not what you were expecting. Not what at I was all. expecting. No. At all. No. Um, what is this record? It's really hard to say. Um, well, it sounds a bit like the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's crossed with Shakespeare's sister. It, Bill's sister? Or is Shakespeare's sister a band? I've never yeah, heard you know, of Shakespeare's sister. sister. <laughs> Shakespeare's sister. We've got Stacey's mum. We've got Shakespeare's sister. You must remember Shakespeare's sister. I don't from know. the 90s. Oh, the Stay 90s. with me. You better hope and pray. That's a hard number one for like three weeks. A hard number one. <laughs> a hard number one. Number one with a hard whatever. Um, don't remember. Your history. Like a no good for me. That's Shakespeare's sister. They're like a duo. One of them used to be in Banana Rama. All right. So they're kind of like, they were like a kind of weird, gothy, uh, late 80s, early 90s pop band. Okay. That that crossed with the yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's very, it's it's still got a lot of like pop influence. Well, I say still, it's got a lot of pop influences on this. Yeah, definitely. But it's still got that, um, you know, modern indie alternative thing going on. I think, I think this record at times sounds very sort of vaudevillian. Do what? 
doo-woppy. Yeah. I think at times it's almost has a it almost sounds like Panic at the Disco meets Nine Inch Nails via I don't know Susie and the Banshees. But not as good as any of those things. It's better than Panic at the Disco. No, it isn't. Oh. No, it isn't. Oh. Not as good as Panic at the Disco. Come on, Steve. Go on, tell me what you think. I think it's all right. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like that Black Keys record where it's like, yeah, people do this and sometimes it's quite good. Okay. When we've got a world with like, yeah, yeah, yeah albums and and LCD sound system albums in, I don't really feel like I need this Hmm. at all. Really, I think there are some good things in it. There's some proper doo wop on "Can I Go On," mm-hmm. um, which I think was quite a cool little thing. The little synth riff um, on "Love" is great, yeah, uh, as well. Um, I like the Peter Hook bassline in um, "The Future Is Here," but mm-hmm. I thought the rest of the song was quite dull. Mm. I thought the dog, the body, has got a really cool chorus, I and I like body. yeah, it's a really cool chorus. Yeah. Um, and bad dance. Mm-hmm. Surely they know that's like my god. If we think fucking Stacey's mom from the last one, that's toxic by Britney Spears. <laughs> that is toxic by Britney Spears. All right, it uh, is, isn't it? Um, hundred percent. I'm they not. Must know. I'm not as with you on that. Um, but yeah, okay, sure. Bullshit. You just don't want to admit that. This band you like sound like Britney Spears. I love this band so much. And they, this that song sounds like Britney Spears. Well, actually, I think that's a good song. I think Toxic's a really good song. It is a good song. I'm not yeah. saying it's not a good song. Yeah. I'm not the elitist who's like <laughs> scared to admit that <laughs> it sounds like Britney Spears. No. No, I like Toxic. I don't okay. like Britney Spears, but I like Toxic. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a shame. I I I had a lot of fears about this record. Because as a mm. Sleater Kinney fan. Um, you know, Janet Vice leaving and um, it was really obvious. It was so obvious for the singles that the sound was changing. I don't think the songs individually outside of the record work anywhere near as well as they do as they do on the album as a whole. Yeah. Even though it's, a, I mean, this is by far the most diverse and dynamic Lisa Kinney record by a mile. Um, and it's very, very different. I feel like... And this might seem like a strange comparison to you not having heard the previous records. But in a sense, this to me is like Fugazi's The Argument in that they are still undoubtedly Sleater Kinney, but their attack is kind of used in a more subtle way. You know how The Argument... Yeah. is so much broader and so much more dynamic than their other records. I believe it's your favourite Fugazi record. It it's certainly Fugazi. mine. Um, I, I am not saying this is my favourite Sleater Kinney album because it isn't. Um, but I think the approach to it is similar to the approach to the argument by Fugazi. Hmm. Um, and it took me a little while. Um, I played this record a lot over the past few days. And I'm, I think I like it. This is another one which we have not had for very long, I should say. And yeah. it feels like we do, you need it for a little while. Um, but I think I keep hearing new stuff every time I go back to it. Sometimes it's a little too twee pop for me, but only, yeah. only Are you fleetingly. About the last song? I think the last song's beautiful. Really? It's amazing, yeah. I think it's wank. Really? I hate it. Yeah, it sounds like fucking Whitney Houston. It sounds like something that should be at the end of a, like, a romantic comedy. 
I mean, it definitely won't be. It's no. very political. That's <laughs> like it's but it sounds like the like the, the bodyguard. Uh. Not in a romantic comedy, like a romantic, like the end of the Notebook or something. Crikey! Okay. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. Well, I think no. it's really, really crap. That song. Oh wow. Okay. I don't agree. Slushy. Really fucking slushy and horrible. Okay. But then the you know the the first song on the record, which is the title track, begins with this weird industrial sort of Nine Inch Nails light type thing before exploding in a wall of fuzz. I mean, you know, Slita Kinney have been sonically heavier than they are on this record but this still feels like a heavy album to me because there's lots of it's a heavy pop record i guess it's a heavy pop record yeah yeah you know and it's not some of it's good and some of it's not good that's Mm. how i feel about it some of it's good in bits there are like little bits that you could pull out from songs i go that's wicked like i say that particular a bass line here a synth part there a riff there a vocal harmony or a melody or a hook or something here and there really really good in sort of isolation but nothing that ever really gets me particularly excited in full dearie me and some of the songs on it like wow no no none of the songs on it i think nothing that sucks apart from that last song which i think really really sucks i do i uh, i do disagree i i i I really like this record, but with kind of reservations in terms of I really feel like we needed it for longer to yeah, be maybe. able to properly mm. establish how much I like it. Um, it's not my favourite Sleet Kinney record, but I do think it's a really interesting left turn in their career and will be seen as such. Or who knows, maybe it'll be seen as a Lulu and maybe, you know, they'll they'll make up with Janet. I don't think they've... I don't think they're... Um, I think they're still friends and all that sort of thing, but maybe, maybe Janet will come back and then and then it will be you know just like old older Sleekeny. But I can't imagine that happening. They are a band who have pr- very much progressed throughout the years. They've just taken smaller steps with each record mm. than this one. This one's quite a leap, mm. um, but you know, and there are there are going to be a lot of Sleekeny fans who just will not go with it, yeah. and I, and I get that. But there were probably a lot of Fugazi fans who didn't go with the argument. Oh, there probably were. Might have been. I mean, I've never ever heard anyone who's a Fugazi fan say that about that. What? But then I don't know. Like, I don't know mm. if people will get funny with this or not. I have absolutely no idea. I've got I no think idea. they will. I, do I would think imagine they will. That, like if they sound, they sound so far away from what I remember them sounding like that. I, I guess they probably. Will. I think people. I think some Kinney fans have already got you know fussy about them working with St Vincent and stuff like mm. that, which is kind of a shame because. She's an interesting artist, you yeah. know. She's she's like, I mean, there's some some people have heard the singles and gone, oh, it just sounds like Saint Vincent, and I think that's not entirely accurate. There's definitely you can hear her stamp on it, but I wouldn't say it just sounds like a Saint Vincent album or song or yeah. anything like that. But um, so you won't return to this at all. You're not keen on it in the slightest. I don't think so, to be honest, mate. No. Shame. No, sorry. Okay. But I'm, I wouldn't mind listening to some of their old albums. Well, I'm meaning to do that, so I should do that. Well, but. I'll um, I'll give you one on a trade off then. All right. Cool. All right. Well, anyway, Slit Kinney, the centre won't hold is out now. Let's move on to our next record. It is called Atonement. It is by the band Kill Switch Engage. Kills which engage? This particular engage. Uh, whatever that means. Uh, the eighth album from the Kings of Metalcore. <laughs> Modern metalcore. Uh, coming off the back of the incredibly disappointing Incarnate in 2016, their third album back with um, 
uh, I was going to say original vocalist Jesse Leach. I suppose, yeah, he's the original, yeah. original vocalist Jesse Leach. Yeah. I don't know why I thought there was someone in the, in the very, very early days, but there wasn't. Um, uh, the big thing about this one, Renfrey, is Howard Jones, the other guy that Je- the guy who replaced Jesse and that Jesse then replaced. Is on a song in this uh, this one. He's actually on one of the songs. So you know, metal metalheads fucking dream thing. Howard and Jesse together on a song called "The Signal Fire." Mm. Can't tell which one's which, to be perfectly yeah. honest. But um, they are there together. We also got Chuck Billy's on the album as well. Yeah, Chuck Billy, I think, doing slightly better than Howard on the record for mm. my personal money. Yeah. I didn't like Incarnate. Uh, I you did didn't no. didn't sorry didn't like Incarnate and like just for the record straight away um, let's just throw our cards on the table this is much better than Incarnate but it's not as good as Disarm the Descent which was De- Jesse's comeback record and I think end of review <laughs> basically <laughs> like uh, Killswitch Engage sound like Killswitch Engage um, it's just about whether or not they write good songs in the process and there are some good songs in this record. There are some not so good songs in this record. Mm-hmm. It is a fine kill switch engage record. I do actually, yes, I, I actually agree with that assessment. Now, we should bear in mind, um, long term listeners of this podcast will know that I have no love for this band at all. Um, and as you say, it's basically just another kill switch engage album, so it's not going to. It's not going to change my mind, and it hasn't. Mm. But in it's terms, weird that you don't like. I still find that weird that you don't like, like the great, you know, like fucking end of heartache. I mean, to be honest with you, when I say don't like, really, what I mean is everyone around me considers Killswitch one of the one of the greatest metal bands of the twenty first century, and I'm there, kind of going, all oh, right. And I, I, you know, I think the end of heartache is all right. I think alive or just breathing is all right. There are bangers on it, but mm-hmm. but quite a lot of bangers on those two records put together. I, it's a bloody hotel breakfast buffet full of bangers. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we discussed the metalcore a lot on this um, on this podcast. I'm not going to. We yeah, I'm not going to go back into it. Blah, blah blah blah. But. Again, it is it is the same old thing that I say in terms of like there just isn't all that much dynamic range. And I put I put a kill switch record on whether it's alive or just breathing or disarmed the descent or I think I once listened to Incarnate. Um, and um, I always get bored by the end because you know it starts. I'm like oh yeah this is quite cool and then but by the end I'm just like I'm really sort of done with this. Um, this album is 39 minutes and something yeah. odd seconds, so it's quite short. It is quite yeah, pacey short, yeah. and short. I think, I think that helps. Certainly helps. I still get bored by the end of it, which mm. I think is telling, considering it's only 40 minutes. But everything you just said in terms of better than Incarnate, not as good as Disarm the Descent, which I actually do rate as a record. I can, you know, I I I listen to End of Heartache and Alive or Just Breathing and Disarm the Descent, those three in particular, and I understand why those ones are considered better ones than, say, Incarnate or mm. the uh, second self-titled album or whatever. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's a stinker, that one. Yeah. But, you know, I still feel... I mean, they're the ACDC of metalcore, aren't they? 
or isn't just metalcore the ACDC of metal <laughs> generally <laughs> isn't the entire genre just the ACDC of you know it's just it's just for my to my ears and I can't escape I think this new metal is, to be honest mm. there's more going on in metalcore than there is in new oh wow that might make an interesting podcast one day yeah me new metal you yeah. metalcore although oh, I don't want to be the metal <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, metal you would have so a bad, bad now. That's yeah, a problem yeah, with this, yeah. and it's the thing is that, like, I think it's one of those things. A bit like we were saying with Kanye West last week, and the first time those two people have ever been compared with one another, is that do you fucking slap the bum of the people who popularized and kind of helped create the the thing just because what they've created is so shit? Yeah. And yeah, a lot of modern metalcore, ninety percent of modern metalcore is 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 poo bum willy smackers. It's not good. And another episode title. Very yeah. Good. Um, but, you know, here's the thing with this record. Like, there's something called Ravenous. It's two and a half minutes long. It's a fucking banger. And all the brutal ones on this, like, the way the opening the open track Unleashed, the way that that is, what well, Unleashed, is great. And when they come mm-hmm. in and it's this that death metal, because they've got a bit of that death metal thing, Kill Switch Engage. Adam mm-hmm. D brings that, like, death metal, like, and it's, you know, not a, you know, it's not Cannibal Corpse by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but... It's the same approach as a band like Cannibal Corpse to just go, let's have all out war, like everything turned up as high as it will go and just batter the fuck out of everything. Certainly and comes out of the tracks in, in yeah. a good way. And when they do yeah. that, Kill Switch Engage are great. They are fucking great. And particularly when they do that with Jesse, they are mm-hmm. fucking great. And I've always thought that with Jesse in the band, they are the best moments. And Jesse also can pin a mean anthemic chorus as well mm-hmm. and if there's one thing i think this album lacks a bit as a kill such engage album where it kind of falls down to below the standards of a disarmed descent and certainly an end of heartache or an alive just breathing is that actually jesse's more melodic work on this record it doesn't quite cut it for me there's a yeah. song on it called i am broken too and I, I really want to like that song that's a more uh, ballad mid-paced. is ballad is not the right word yeah, but more mid pace kind yeah. of like a stompiest like a sort of a lurcher um <laughs> lurcher. and that's quite good, yeah. i really want to like that because you can tell how much jesse has put into that song but it just kind of pl- it's just a bit ploddy and so I kind of find myself going, go fast, go fast. You know what I mean? This record, um, it, it almost literally, I'm being ever so slightly facetious, facetious here, but it almost, it's like fast song, ploddy song, fast song, ploddy song, fast song, ploddy song, fast song, ploddy song. Mm. And it's very formulaic. Ooh. It's great. When it, the thing is, when it's fast, I, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I it's definitely. Myself, yeah, like definitely, Chuck Billy coming in. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely better when it's fast. Um, mm. I, I don't know. You know what I'm like with this sort of thing. I know. Yeah, I, know. Um, I mean. I mean, for what it's worth, even I feel like I don't really have very, you know, in a week where there's a very different Sleet Kinney album, there's a very dense and uh, kind of conceptual Frank Turner album, and there's the Bon Iver album. Kill Switch and Gage come along and are letting the side down for metal a little bit in the nicest possible way. Like artistically speaking, this is, you know, if you are a fan of Kill Switch Engage, you're probably going to really, really like this album. I don't think it's a, you know, it's not, it's maybe not the one you will come back to a lot. I mean, I, I would be surprised if many people went back to Incarnate, but certainly Disarmed and Descent, I think that's stuck. I think there's a lot of stuff on here which will stick. And there's a lot of stuff on here that I would probably want to hear live and i know you know we've kind of glossed over the fact that howard's even on the signal fire and that's because 
I think people will be really disappointed with that that song. Yeah, it's, it's not, pretty meh. Yeah, you wait that long and it's not a great song. It's kind of nice to hear them, and I can just about tell the difference if I'm really concentrating. Yeah. But they do have pretty similar voices, and yeah. and having the two of them on one track doesn't really add that much to it. No. And in terms of the song, it's okay, yeah. but it's no my curse, is it? Or no. fucking um. Some like my last serenade. Oh, yeah, there we go. That's actually, I, I do like that. Yeah. Um, yes, I mean, we're about to review a feeder record, and um, this probably is the most boring record of the week, so that says quite a lot, I think. Jesus <laughs> um, um, but also, do you know the thing that's bugging me? This will get good reviews because Kill Switch records always do. They always get, you know, eight out of tens or four out of fives. And, and everyone's always just like, oh, yeah, it's a bit of a return to form every fucking time. And, you know, and I, I can prove this because I went on Metacritic and um, the score for Disarm the Descent is 79. Yeah. And the score for Incarnate is 78. And it's like, well those albums of even i can tell you know and this is a band that to me the majority of their stuff all sounds the same but even i can tell that the quality between disarm the descent and incarnate is totally you know yeah it's broad mm. and i i i i've not seen other reviews of this no, record I yet but i bet you everyone's just going to be like oh yeah it's a really nice kill switch engage record and then just forget about it i bet it doesn't get a great review in metal hammer oh are you doing it no Oh, right. I just think it might not. Really? Yeah. I think Incarnate did, didn't it? Yeah, did I don't it. remember, to don't be honest. Know. I think it did, actually, yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think... Well, I don't know who's reviewing it, to be honest, so... Uh, we shall sure. see. We'll see. I don't know why I said that. It might be. I was just sort of sticking up for... I wasn't specifically... I wasn't specifically saying Hammer. I mean, they um, are one of the vaccines that I imagine will say nice things about it but the, but the reason that it gets good reviews is because the sort of people who like this sort of thing like this sort of thing and kills and gauge have done an auto you know like not everyone wants to be challenged too much i guess so but i suppose i suppose in an economy where all music costs the same i.e free um my mind cannot work out why you would choose to listen to this when uh, Tall exists. <laughs> but That's you know, pretty but different. You're not going to fucking bang your head to Tall. I do. All right, well, fine. <laughs> I know, no one wants to hear that. Anyway, listen, Atonement is out now. It's by Killswitch Engage. Let us know. Let us know what you think about it. I mean, it's absolutely perfectly it is what it's workmanlike it's fine i would say it's perfectly fine yeah but if you want metal to be perfectly fine i think you're listening to the wrong genre shots fired um let's get on to our last album gonna be the same thing i would imagine Tallulah by feeder the brit rock stalwart's 10th record feeder um are a band who have a lot of hit singles and let's not forget they headline download because they're a proper metal band at a proper metal festival. I forgot all about yeah, that. They oh headline download. They headline one of the first downloads. Were you there? No. No, okay. I would have loved to have seen that. I think many people were, to be honest. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you forget that now. Feeder were a big fucking deal for a while. They're not as big a deal as they used to be, but they still do have a beautifully shiny, brilliant back catalogue of excellent singles. Absolutely. But, but here's the but. Uh -oh. Are Feeder a good album band? I'm going to just say straight away, 
No, they're not. Feeder have one good album, and it's their first album. Uh, I, 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 I disagree. Okay, I disagree. What is a good um, Feeder album? Uh, yesterday went too soon. It's fucking banging, mate. Is it? Yes. No, uh, no, no, Renegades no. is fucking great. Renegades has got some really good songs on it. And it's certainly the best feeder album for some time. There's around 12 songs on it, and I would say around 12 of them are great. So I'd say that's a good album. <laughs> I'd say it's a great album. You think all 12 songs are good on that album? Um, don't quote me on that. Well, I think you've been quoted on <laughs> it's that. Been a I like while. the one that goes, If you want to hear this song, if you want to hear it, if you want to hear this song, <laughs> you just don't call out all night. That's good, that one, isn't nice, it? Nice, very good. Yeah. Um, what else will I stick up for? You can't. It's harder. It's harder because they don't really have consistently great records. And I'm not like mugging feeder off because like I say, they write brilliant songs. Comfort in sound, maybe? Comfort in sound is the closest thing to a... Perfection. No, <laughs> to a good feeder record that isn't polythene. Okay. I think... But I still, I wouldn't say it's a consistently good record. They're, they, they get some half and halves sometimes. Yeah. And they they get some, the singles are great and everything else is a bit like. But when they get it right, they are fucking great, Feeder. They are yes, really, really great. I totally agree. I think Feeder are kind of um, somewhat maligned by a lot of people who. Who are boring. And, who are being yeah. boring. I mean, there was, that, there was so much of that. And I remember like every single time Kerrang would write about them, they'd be like, oh, you know, they write great songs, but they're just so boring. Yeah. And then quite, I mean, I don't know how much I'm going to go into this or not, but like there was quite a horrible thing that happened with Feeder because then as soon as they're drummer committed suicide john lee suddenly the press was super super interested and mm. that's when they became really big and it was the comfort in sound tour yeah, which yeah. was the album which was in um uh, in response to that that's when they became an arena band which i mean i don't Mork-ish. know it is sort of mawkish yeah. and you know i think feeder i love feeder and so th- this is coming from a place of love and not a place of place of hatred um I'm not sure if they should have ever quite been an arena act, maybe. But I think they are... Well, hey, man, listen. It's a similar thing, in my opinion, to Oasis and the Foo Fighters and their stadium acts. Yeah, true. I mean, it's a similar thing to yeah, Architects, maybe. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but um... <laughs> what are you fucking on about? Um, but, um, but I feel like certainly for the last few years... Um, feeder have their fan base it's pretty sorry hold on okay yeah. <laughs> architects are a singles band no 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 no, no no in terms of a tragedy has taken them oh, to where they are right okay mm, i don't like that mate. in an in, a, in, a, in an episode where i have gone out of my way to be offensive that's the most <laughs> offensive thing of this entire episode it's continue it's, it's a no i don't want let's not dwell on it anymore renfrey you said it now no it's a mawkish it's, yes. it's not it's a cynical thing to say but i but i think there's a lot of truth in it i think there's a lot of truth in it um and i think you know Fe- feeder sort of got to that stage and then they went down to sort of brixton academy mm. sort of size or roundhouse sort of where size, which now. is probably where they yeah, are now yeah, probably yeah. where they should be to be honest mm. but i think they're I, I actually really, really like Feeder. I, I think do. they're a great band. I do. And um, to be fair, it's another Feeder album. Like, again, a bit Fida. like Kilsage Engage. They do the thing they do very well. I mean, Opener um, Youth mm-hmm. is the most 90s thing I've heard since, well, Feeder in the 90s, to be honest. 
<laughs> like that just production wise, everything about it just sounds like summer nineties pop rock. Yeah. And it's great for it. Like yeah. it's it's cool. Um well, Grant Nicholas is just brilliant at writing pop rock songs. He is. I yeah. think Grant Nicholas he rarely stretches further than um he rarely stretches beyond his limits, if ever. Mm. Um but he knows what he's good at and to be this, because one thing I'll say about Feeder, I think they've always been consistent. Yes, they have. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's very... always like a few great songs. Mm. Uh, every time they put them out, like so the singles or like there'll be a couple of deep album tracks, and they'll be something. Yeah, that's a really fucking good, yeah. just a good song. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And it's uh, you know it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, no, definitely not. No, um, and I, yeah, I, I think this is. I think Feeder do good albums, and I think they do very good albums. And I think this is a good album. <laughs> yes. I think uh, there's a song um, called Daily Habit, which is really good. It starts kind of starts like Seven Days in the Sun, which is obviously one of their big hits. Yeah. But then it kind of morphs into something else. But Grant Nicholas actually has got a really kind of a cool, like lazy, lackadaisical hand. The way he kind of strums is and 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 the, the, that kind of like you long... said. I, you said I said the most offensive thing on this podcast. Well, he's got a lazy hand, lackadaisical. Hand. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like Billy Corgan as well. Mean, Billy yeah. Corgan's got it. The way kind of just that's interesting I mean? you brought up smashing pumpkins because this is another thing Krang, they used to be obsessively were, yeah Kerrang were constantly saying they're the UK's answers to smashing pumpkins for one album they were now yeah I you know I as I said I love feeder but that's a bit much maybe maybe gish era smashing pumpkins I can see but then they've never gone to melancholy oh no 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 and I think <laughs> yeah. those comparisons went out the window quite after quickly one, one EP and one album maybe they I'm, never I'm sure. like, when yesterday too, came too soon people were like oh okay I'm because sure there was a lot there. of stuff like when you listen to like descent or yeah, yeah um tangerine on polythene and you can hear the kind of you know the siamese dream that wailing guitar and stuff and grant nicholas is you know production wise has got rid of all that but he's still mm-hmm. got that way of playing the guitar where it's all a bit rough and ready mm-hmm. and it's and i actually i think it's really really cool yeah what i will say is this album gets i like feeder when they're sort of fizzy and full of zip I certainly um, prefer them when they're fizzy and full of zip. And I think towards the end, it gets a bit more indie. Because they started getting compared and put in with the Coldplays and the, the Razor Lights of this world they in, did. in the mid-noughties. And there's a touch of that uh, towards the, the mid middle to latter part of this record. Now, you, so said to me, not... you said to me on the phone the other day um, that it was the last three or four songs. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. I do agree that it... it it ends on a bit of a bum note, this record. Yeah. I will absolutely agree agree and admit that. Uh, I can't remember the name of the song now. Um, but it's just, oh, um, Lonely Hollow Days, it's called. Yeah. It's just a bit bit wet. Yeah. Um, but um, K- Kyoto is the uh, ninth song or tenth song. The, eighth, yeah, the ninth song. Yeah. And that's, that's probably the heaviest i mean this isn't cannibal corpse but no. it's probably the heaviest song on the record yeah that's the exception to the rule i would say i would say from kind of uh the title track downwards it sort of is a bit ho-hum i think but kurt oh yeah is is probably you see guillotine is my favorite song on the record is it mm, which is which is after um Tallulah, the mm. title track track eight i just fine. really like it yeah can't tell you why. I mean, you know, it, it sounds like feeder. Maybe I just yeah. got. Maybe I just got bought. Maybe I just thought, yeah, yeah, feeder. Okay, you sound like feeder. That's the. Uh, that's what I suspect, to be honest, because yeah. it's forty-five minutes. Um, you, 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 you know, it's kind of <laughs> after half an hour, you've heard mm. most of it 
you know. But um, the Guardian gave it two stars, by the way, which is the same as they gave the Bon Iver album. So these they're sort of the same. That's like, but that's the thing. It's not. It's not a two star record, is it? I mean, it, it, well, no, I don't think it is. It's a, it's a, it's, a it's well a two and a half. No, it's 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 a well made pop rock record it's nothing nothing new or exciting particularly but it's well done you know i mean the foo fighters haven't been as consistent as feeder have no they they just they just haven't i think foo fighters have released better records than feeder have personally i'm not sure how you would feel about that but i but well i don't know to be honest they're just both they're, they're good singles fine but but you know i think feeder i don't think it's as easy to be this consistent over 10 records and god how long have feeder been going what 94 95 i'd imagine they yeah. formed you know they have they consistently write really good songs and as you say there are always a handful of great songs on every feeder record even the the bad mid noughties period they did that song pushing the senses which was a bit cold play yeah really yeah uh, but even really cold play then didn't they they did but even that song has a couple of brilliant the first song on that record is fucking great so mm. i can't remember the name of it yeah. but yeah there's not much more to say is there no I mean, Tallulah by feeder is out now it sounds like feeder basically mm. um listen to renegades instead yeah, or polythene really is the one all right you uh, that's that's it really it's been quite a quite a kind of indie heavy week so it's about time we gave the people some metal bloodstock festival my favorite festival yeah. if you're asking you no one weren't. did um i turned up uh, under the impression that i was going to be drowned and blown away at the same time uh, uh by the weather this weekend and i'm pleased to say that for the most part it was fairly okay the weather Hooray. we will get to weather issues later on when i come to the saturday review uh where you know there were some gremlins in the in the sky some weather gremlins gremlins weather, in the sky weather gremlins goodness me uh, but yeah. for the most part it actually it was kind of all right so let's chat about who i saw um i started off as i got there i went to the do you want to do a quick um, what blood uh, stock is like for people who may not know or do you think everyone's it's know? metal it's metal. It's a, ve- uh, have a big, heavy metal village it's a bit, fate. It's, it's, a, it's big, a lovely environment. Yeah, it's a it's a small festival in the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme of things, yeah. But, you know, it is a chance, and I think I will say this uh, as we go through the review, the chance to see bands on a big, quote-unquote, big stage and in spaces. You know, the idea of Bloodstock, to me, from someone who grew up in the 90s where you'd have maybe, when I first started going to festivals, one or two rock bands not even metal bands but rock bands on an entire weekend bill at reading festival yeah like proper kind of heavy bands you would get one raging machine or one deftones or maybe um fear factory or marilyn manson right yeah now from that to three days where you see proper underground behemoths of you know the metal genre playing to massive crowds is a fucking beautiful thing. And I don't think I'll ever tire of wandering over and being like, oh my God, that's 
hypocrisy playing the main stage of a festival here yeah. in the UK. To 15,000, 20,000 yeah. people. 15, what is 10? I think it's it's either 10 or 15, but don't yeah. quote me on that. I'm not sure. But either way, if you're a fan of metal, I mean, I just think Bloodstock's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's oh, really I good fun. It. It's smaller. It's very, very friendly. Yeah. And it's one um, of the friendliest festivals I've ever been it's to. It's really easy to get between the stages. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just great. I yeah. just really, really like it. So I turned up at the Sophie stage, which is the second stage. I went over to watch Defcon one who have a um Atfijin anton lant a former member of venom oh. uh in their midst uh who were absolutely fine kind of groove metal um industrialized industrial tinged groove metal um, with a name like defcon one it's out i thought industrial again yeah, yeah 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 and pretty decent when they do the brutal stuff i think this is the problem with a lot of younger bands is that you might be able to get away with it on record, but when you do the clean singing parts, the melodic parts, quite difficult to pull that off live, obviously. So um, maybe stick to just being really fucking heavy because <laughs> the the melodic stuff didn't work so much, but yeah, okay. I thought they were okay. And then I went and made uh, my way over to the main stage, the Ronnie James Dio stage for the first kind of big band that I saw of the weekend. And that was Soulfly, Max oh, Cavalera Soul and Fly. Soulfly. Now, Soulfly... Um, obviously have been going for a very, very long time. And when we talk about, you know, for a lot of people of our vintage, Renfrey, talking about Soulfly, you probably would think of self-titled, jump the fuck up, you know, the whole prophecy, um, that era of Soulfly and then being, you know, the, the kind of uh, post-Sepultura Max project with Ross Robinson and all that shit, you know, them doing loads of... But actually, they've, but they've released 11 albums, Yeah, and they have changed a hell of a lot over the Bonkers. years. You know, they've really changed a hell of a lot. And I think um, Max has been in pretty bad shape over the years. You know, mm. like recently, I saw him doing the Roots album in full, the Return to Roots, him and Igor. Mm. And as much as I fucking loved it because I love that record, I did feel that Max was starting to get, you know, a bit out of shape and he's starting to look at a bit, out. he was getting a bit puffed out during the, um, you know, he's sort of lacking his, uh, his usual, um, energy and vigor that i remember him having back in the day that's a shame because i'm modeling my look after mass cavalera well he's lost weight mate so you know oh, fuck. Um, he's lost he's he was on much better form than i've seen him for a little while Good. and because sepulchre uh, sepulchre excuse me soul oh, fly oh. whoa that, that is, the that is definitely so that is definitely the most offensive thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Soulfly released a couple of really good records the last few records i think the like you know the the archangel and then ritual both really really fucking good records yeah. and the first half of the set they lent very very heavily on newer material oh, right. and it sounded fucking great Fair. ironically when it sort of dipped a bit was when they played tribe and eye for an eye by the end which yeah. max sort of slept walk through a little bit max seemed really fired up by the new material and yeah. it was it was interesting to see because like tr- i mean tribe halfway through he stopped and he did uh, what I imagine is the first ever Bob Marley sing-along at Bloodstock. <laughs> he started doing Get Up, Stand Up right in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> or, you know, fine. And I think Eye for an Eye was pretty cool, but it was a bit of a like, you would think that would be a really great way to end the set, Tribe into Eye for an Eye. Yeah. And actually, the first half of the set was, objectively speaking, far better. Right. Mm. Okay. So, um, yeah, Max... Uh, if you don't want to play that stuff don't play it don't play it i guess i mean you'd be pretty pissed off wouldn't you if you went to see soulfly and they didn't play anything from the kind of the glory period but actually those new albums are good yeah i i went to see so i reviewed soulfly for um hammer last year and i remember 
it's been a really long time since I've properly given Soulfly. It, it had been, I should say, mm. since I've given Soulfly another go. And I was just like, oh, right, fine, I'll go along. Um, and was very pleasantly surprised. I very, had a really, good. really good night. And it, and it made me listen to the new stuff. And I was like, mm, yeah, okay, I've been missing something here by not listening to these it was, records. So, it, was, yeah. it was pretty good. Uh, I then went over back over to the Sophie stage to watch Charybdis, mm-hmm. who are, I guess you'd say, kind of techie death kind of band um who were pretty decent um yeah i wouldn't go any further than saying they were pretty decent really their singer spent a lot of time going oh we've got longer than we usually have we're gonna smoke weed and get fucked up and uh yeah fam and all this sort of stuff and i was a little bit like all right mate just play play some songs play some songs Mm. you got longer you Mm. but anyway um maybe they don't have enough possibly but but when they were you know like the the good what was kind of annoying about it is it it made it kind of a bit stop starty yeah um momentum is important important. and i felt like they they dropped a bit of momentum by doing that because when they were playing and they sounded good they sounded very good but you know um maybe they just didn't maybe they were like fucking hell we don't normally play for 40 minutes 45 Mm. minutes um tesseract hello Mate, I, you know, I really like Tesseract. I do. I fucking really like Tesseract. A very odd spot for them to be stuck in. Yeah, third off uh, headlining. Third off right? the top. And in a kind of, if you've got four bands, you've got the, Children of Bodom, Powerwolf and Sabaton. So so a lot of Euro metal cheesiness. Crikey, that is a lot of cheesiness. And Tesseract in the middle of it, right? Mm. Very, very strange place and day to be putting them. Mm. You would think you'd have been better off having Tesseract where Cradle of Filth were the next day and having Cradle of Filth in with straight after Children of Bodom and then being, because they're a bit more gothic, to Powerwolf, to Sabaton. That feels like mm-hmm. a more natural fit. Obviously, we don't know about the bookings and people's mm-hmm. availability, but I did think that seems much more like a, a good place to put that. That would have worked. That would have been... Um, it would have made more sense. It would have made more sense, yeah, for sure. Um, so what basically what happened is Tesseract were playing to quite a large crowd, well, a very large crowd, but a crowd of, I guess, um, definitely not devotees and mm-hmm. people who were not particularly familiar with them. A lot of people who weren't particularly familiar with them and probably a lot of people who weren't particularly familiar or interested in that type of music. Mm. Um, having said that, they are a reliably excellent live band and they've been getting better and better and better as a live band as time has gone on. And I think as good as everything in the set sounded, the material from Sonder, like Smile, Fuck Me, sounded fucking amazing. Like really, really great. But I have to say, um, the highlight of the set on a kind of purely like, yes, level was um, Dan Tompkins, the Mm -hmm. Tesseract vocalist. He dedicated um, uh, Survival to his wife and kids who were there and said, this is about the struggle that we've been through to, as a band and my wife and kids are here today. I love you. And then it started absolutely shitting it down, like sideways rain while he was doing this song about like, you know, we will like me and my, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm making this music for my family to provide for my family. And it just felt like a really kind of, if you know what that song's about, then you're mm. like, Oh, that's so fucking. And, and as the rain absolutely battered him and he just stood there in it and took it all sideways on. It was just really, really cool. Mm. And it's a great song as well. And I, I thought Tesseract were really good. I thought, 
you look at them and you're like, this is not home turf for you in any by any stretch of the imagination. Bloodstock. I mean, I think Bloodstock in general is probably not the sort of place you would normally associate a band like Tesseract. But um, certainly in amongst who they were playing alongside, very, very odd kind of place to find them on the bill. It's not the first time they've done it, though, is it? Or am I wrong about I that? I think it's the first time they've done it with Dan. Okay. But I'm... They've never been so high up on the bill before. No, certainly not. No. Uh, and they're not... When you think Bloodstock, you don't think Tesseract. No, not immediately. No. Well, not... You'd have to be no. thinking quite a long time, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm a long thinker. Uh, um, yeah, okay. But they were great. Like, I think it was one of those ones where they would... You know, they won on points. Cool. Um, Good. I then went over to watch Countless Skies. Do you know Countless Skies? Nope. Countless Skies are kind of progressively minded black metal band of sorts but more like a kind of melodic black metal oh. um who take quite a lot from so it's clean singing there's quite a lot of clean singing but it's kind of um oh, okay very and anth- that kind of anthemic almost power metal clean singing okay and i thought they were cool over black metal hmm. yeah sort of black metal but yeah like i mean when i say black metal it's more of that kind of expansive black metal i'm picturing Solstafir, am I off? Yeah, no, yeah, it's actually not a bad shout. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I thought they were cool actually. Okay, I thought they were cool. I thought they um, they sounded their singers fucking amazing. Okay, like really kind of booming voice. And what I will say, which is very very different from, and I will get to the sounds on the other stage. So the main stage, obviously, out in the wind in the elements, struggling for sound. The sound on the Sophie stage, the second stage was fucking pitch perfect all weekend. Whoever was yeah. doing the sound on that stage was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like, fucking shout out that guy, because, my God, everybody on the Sophie stage this weekend sounded amazing. And that's a much maligned stage as well, like, from the bill. People are going, oh, there's nobody I know on the second stage. And, oh, I it don't is, go isn't there. it? Oh, it God. is. When I last went, like, Condro played there. and yeah, well, they they, you know, Alien really... Weapon replayed the main stage download this year. Yeah. And they played the second stage last year. Suicidal Tendencies in the tent last year. You yeah. had Watain in the tent yeah. last year. They're starting, that, that stage is starting. And there's a lot of bands that I watched from, from that stage, to be fair. So, you know. Um, and I stayed on that stage, actually. And I, I didn't watch Power Wolf because I saw a little, I, w- I walked over to watch it and I was like, oh God, I can't because I'm going to have to watch a bit of Sabaton. So, oh, no thanks. Yeah. Um, Double Power Metal. Yeah. So instead, I, stick, I stuck around to watch Raging Speed on. Oh, my hello. God. I have forgotten how much I fucking miss Raging Speed on. Yeah. Still just the most horribly belligerent. Ba- like 10 minutes before they came on, they turned their amps on. And just let put their guitars in front of it. It just went <laughs> for ten minutes. Feedback for ten it's minutes. Like, amazing. You haven't even come on yet, and you're <laughs> trying to piss fucking me piss off. me off. Yeah. And um, they were just great. Like they look older, they look balder, they look fatter, uh, uh, but they sound exactly the same. It's still okay. like cider. It's like I hate God having a fight outside of Weatherspoon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like. They are the most obnoxious band you can ever possibly imagine, and that, you know, and they played played. You know, if you're a kind of, I I love the so they played Nights and Phases, um, they played Thumper, they played Red Weed, um, they played the Hate Song, they played Fuck the Voodoo Man, like they played all the kind of ones from the first couple of albums. I love the first album. Yeah, first album was incredible. like, oh my god! I mean, I saw Raging Speed on. I probably saw Raging Speed on twenty times in the space of six months back in about two thousand two thousand one. 
they seem to support everyone. They play a I, lot. They play yeah. a lot. Yeah. I went to gigs on like when they play a pub or whatever. Yeah. Me and my mates were just like, this band are fucking great. We're going to yeah. go and watch them as much as possible. And you know, you know, then you end up watching them opening the main stage at the Ozfest. It's like, fuck me, we saw them in a pub in bloody Southampton a week ago. Yeah. What the fuck's <laughs> going on? Um, but they are like, I mean, if you're not familiar with Raging Speed on, I would heartily recommend that you listen to the the first record, particularly. Yeah, um, I think the first really, two. First two are great, yeah. yeah. And they've got a new one coming out. Do they? they oh, do. it's, it's yeah. about time because I yeah. do feel it's been a little bit shit or get off the pot. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they've been reformed for a little while, they right? They've released it. Well, this the, they have released an album. They released them in 2017, oh. but it was a fa- it was a pre- it was a fans only one. Oh, so this is like their proper comeback album. Okay, yeah. all right, that passed uh, me by. And so, you know, we will do that. Obviously, it's yeah. Russ Russell um, yeah. producing it as well. Okay, so, nice. Uh, it should be good. Yeah, they were fucking great. Easily you, the band of Friday for me. If you closed your eyes, would they sound as big and aggressive and great as they did? Yes. Uh, 20, yeah, I think they would. Lovely. They really, really would. Lovely um, I didn't watch much of Sabaton. What? <sighs> but they had a tank, didn't they? They did have a tank. I just... I'm going to tell you what I saw, and you can't really call this a review. <laughs> I, Sabaton stage set was amazing. Okay. It was absolutely amazing. They had so much fire. I think they had more fire than Parkway Drive the next night. Ooh. They had so much fire, and they did have a big tank. Um, and it looked brilliant. Like, it looked amazing. And to be fair to them, they looked amazing. And actually, for the first time that day, it sounded big as well. You know? I mean, I was going to say, Tesseract. Tesseract sounded pretty good actually, but there, I was walking by like Soulfly sounded a bit mm-hmm. weedy at points. Um, bits when I was walking, bits and bobs when I was walking past watching bands sounded a bit weedy at points. But fuck me, Sabaton sounded massive. Um, but they sound like Roxette. Do you know what I mean? It's Roxette <laughs> about tanks singing <laughs> songs about bayonets. Like pff, every song was like like I just this I just think this is. This incredibly is, popular for some incredibly, unknown reason. Do you know they have sold six? They've already sold six thousand seats or tickets to their Wembley show, headline at Wembley Arena. So that's half. They half sold of half Arena. of Wembley yeah. Arena already. How long has it been on sale? Not long. Not long. About three weeks. Two three. They weeks. are very, very, very popular. That band. They're very popular, and it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, a, a year ago we were talking about Bloodstock, and you were going. Are you big enough to headline? I was, yeah. And I have been proved wrong, clearly. I mean, from what I saw, it was comfortably the biggest crowd. Really? Comfortably the biggest crowd. Massive <sighs> crowd. Absolutely huge. And those people were losing their minds. And there's actually, right, there was, I was walking through the crowd, kind of passing through. I was like, I'm going to watch this from the back. I'm going to get like a coffee or something and watch it from the back. Um, and there was like fireworks and fire and all this stuff going off. And I was walking through and there was a kid, must have been like five or six years old, sat on his dad's shoulder. And as I was kind of walking through, a firework went off and they started into a song. And this kid went, ah! and he got he had a really, really excited look on his face. And he went, ah! and he started just doing the horns and banging his head. And I looked at him and I looked at Sabaton and thought, this is not for me, right? I don't like this. But mm-hmm. that kid has probably never been to a metal festival before. Mm-hmm. doesn't know anything about music. He's come here. He's seeing this. He's seeing Sabaton. He's fucking loving it. And he will probably grow up to be a right cunt. <laughs> but, you know, fair play to him. He's going to be going to Bloodstock for another 30 years. You're going to have to put up with that idiot for the next 30 years. Little prick. 
Um, so yeah, I didn't enjoy Sabaton very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was Friday. On, um, are you right? Yeah. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Um, so on Saturday, I woke up, got there early, and I went to watch the Parallax Method. Oh yeah. Who are a prog band? Yeah, an instrumental prog band. They're one of your lot, Renfrey. Oh, one yeah. of your one of your lot. Um, Don't have vocals. That's no a vocals. bit of me. They they were good. Um, they were good. They weren't the most visually interesting thing that I saw all weekend. Oh, that's unusual for an instrumental band. <laughs> yeah, instrumental three piece <laughs> playing at eleven o'clock in the morning. Um, but uh, musically, it's, it's cool. I think yeah. there's there's obviously there's touches of. Um, I think Dream Theater, like in terms oh. of the musicianship, I was goes, on board, and now it goes I'm a bit Dream Theater. Okay. But you know, actually, as well, um, guitar tone wise, when it went heavy, it was a bit opeth as well. Uh, so it was pretty good. I think they were more impressive than they were actually okay. enjoyable. I mean, musically, they were very, very impressive. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah. The Parallax Parallax Method. Oh, well, I like it. Yeah. Um, and then I went over to the main stage. To watch something completely different, Cancer Bats. <gasps> really interested in this. Cancer Bats again, not the sort of band you assume would be playing. Definitely Bloodstock. not. Goes to show how wide the net has been cast when you've got Cancer Bats playing Bloodstock. Um, the sound was really bad. Oh. It was a real shame. It felt like Liam was really straining when oh. they started playing Hell Destroyer. You know that massive go go and go and go and that riff. I was like, what's this? What is this? Uh, and and then when he went, da, 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 and I was like, oh, fuck, it's Hell Destroyer. And I couldn't even really tell. Uh, um, but Cancer Bats are one of those bands who just, they don't do bad shows. Nope. I think it was pretty paper thin. It's quite fucking frustrating that they had such a paper thin sound because the sound was not good and it was really it was getting quite windy so actually this is the point where just before cancer bats came on it started absolutely pissing it down oh. and i was stood in there's a, a kind of jägermeister tent um by the main stage thing where it's kind of covered over and i was like well, i'm gonna stay here because i am gonna watch definitely i'm gonna watch cancer bats oh. even if it's raining absolutely. so and it just stopped raining uh as their intro tape was was playing i was like all right so get down in front and it was really really windy and at the start the screens were up and they were showing they, you know, because obviously the screens are outside the stage. I didn't even I didn't notice when they came down, but at some point they came down. Yeah. And they took the screens down and they moved the um the speakers above the stage down a bit more. Okay. And it was like, whoa, something's yeah. you know, there's the obviously fear that the wind a fear would blow that them something over. might yeah, happen yeah, here. Yeah. But so I think that might have contributed a little bit to cancer bats. A lot there were a lot of people there who loved them, clearly. Cool. There were, but you know, it wasn't a massive crowd. Yeah. But the crowd that were there um, I think got one over by the end. Okay, yeah, so that's I, such a shame though because a band they did all they did good. Yeah, considering, mm. but a band like Cancer Bats really should should be able to win over that crowd yes. quite easily. Yeah, yeah, in a sort of um, hate breed manner, supposedly. Hate yeah, breed a few years yeah, ago, yeah, they did. Yeah, okay, um, yeah, and it was it was you know it was definitely not the best Cancer Bats show I've ever mm. seen, but they were still great, mm -hmm. and I think you know. I did see some people, like as I walked out, some guy went, fucking posers. They, they ended with a cover of War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Mm, they did that at 2000 Trees as well. And that got at the whole film. We're like, yeah. yeah. And as I walked out, this guy was like, fucking posers. I was like, oh, God. Covering me. Black Sabbath, how dare they? Yeah. 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 Cancer Bats, a band just, 
you know, they're posers, aren't they? More they're like not, they don't do the more don't, like cancelled bats. Yeah, they don't do the work. They're the cancelled bats. They're <laughs> never on the tour. You know, they're just fucking MTV bullshit. No, yeah, they're, you know, yeah. They're all just fucking men on they're on they, Instagram they, all the time. They just they? never play. Yeah, you know, there just posers. isn't the opportunity to see them. I no, don't think, that's the thing, know? isn't it? They're just because they got like all model good looks. I mean, look at like yeah. Scott their guitars. Yeah, uh, hey, like hey, people model. mistake me for Scott quite a lot. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Um. Yeah, so a dickhead said that. Uh, I went back over to the Sophie stage and I watched. After thinking Raging Speedorn had the most aggressive and obnoxious set of the weekend, mm. sewn up that title. That's theirs. No one's going to be able to take that away from them. They have owned that. Here come Lotus Eater. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> he walked on. This singer walked on in a shell suit, in a like, track suit, and just went... Oh, hey, you fucking fucks. We're fucking Lotus Eater from the fucking streets of fucking Glasgow. Bang your fucking head. Let's fucking fuck this fucking tent up. Fuck everyone. Fucking, fucking destroy it. And I was like, mate, you know something like, have you, is this a bet? <laughs> like, you said fuck. And then Norris McWhirter came on and inducted him to the Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> like, saying fuck the most amount of times in a, in a 30 second period. At 2000 Trees, he said, um, I'm not going to do the accent because it'll be worse than yours. But he said, um, uh, I need to l- let you into a little secret. I like seeing people get hurt. So fuck each other up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fucking hell, mate. And I, I think on record, they're probably a much more interesting band musically because I've yeah. watched them live and I just go, you just want to destroy everything. Yeah. Their bass player was punching himself in the face. Yeah. Uh, and again, on the Sophie stage, my Lord, they sounded monolithically heavy. Yeah. Uh, and the sound was great. Um, and they were they were really great. And the second they came on, like they played to a pretty packed crowd. Mm. And the second they came on, it was like fists swinging and legs being kind of put above, you know, kicked above your head. And it got pretty, it got pretty violent. The only thing that like undermined the kind of brutality of it all is there was people with a, a blow up like watermelon ball who were punching it around in the sort of beach styley, which kind of undermined the kind of. <laughs> hatred that was going on uh, throughout the rest of the set but they were really they were very very good i went over and i i'm not going to talk about this band too much because unfortunately i feel like um i miss most of their set because i was watching lotus eater uh, and i feel like they suffered quite badly from a not so great sound but i just thought we should mention swallow the sun because we haven't mentioned swallow the sun and they've released one of the best metal records of this year. I I've heard this. Um, as, as I haven't heard the record, but you know I know I haven't. No, it was one of the ones where I nearly, I put, I nearly kind of pushed to go. We should really cover this. Yeah, well, and well, we should really have covered it. Yeah, to be fair. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then when it came to the catch-up show, I was also like, oh, we should. But at that point, I was like, I'm pretty sure everyone's. It's been so well received that I'm pretty sure everyone's who wants to hear it has heard it by now. Apart from me. Apart from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, actually, but yeah, they've released a very, very good record, and I was interested. very emotional. Yeah, and... I was. I mean, again, pretty weird. They were in between Cancer Bats and evil scarecrow um on the are you gonna stage. review evil scarecrow we'll talk a little bit about yes. evil scarecrow in a minute that'd be fun stick um, around but it was not the right you know i only saw a little bit mm-hmm. sound wasn't great okay and it, it, that is hard to make that translate at the best of times that type of music but what i will say is 
people who were watching them when I was there were watching them incredibly intently and they did get a massive crowd and I think that's come the end of the year when you're talking about the best metal records that's going to be one of the ones that people are chatting about for sure they were I'm not going to word this very well they're probably the band who I'd heard of the least who people seem to be the most excited for yeah. my goodness does that make sense sort of, yeah, yeah. Sort of. Mm-hmm. um but yes i uh, i kept hearing i was one of the sons one of the sun i was like this one of the sun but yeah yeah so um, I missed that. Nice. The, the other band who played to a near headline well he was scarecrow basically so they came on next and probably played to a similar size crowd that Parkway Drive played to later on that day. Yes, I saw Merlin say this uh, from Metal Hammer. It was uh, as big a crowd as anyone got that day. Quite bizarrely, Evil Scarecrow are um, really adored at Bloodstock, aren't they? Yeah. Um, why, Stephen Hill? I fuck no, I have no <laughs> idea. Um, I mean, the sound was appalling from where I was stood. Right. Um, isn't that just their songs I think it might be but it was absolutely appalling the sound so I couldn't really hear what was going on I couldn't tell if they're funny or not but they weren't they weren't and I just thought this is wacky shit in it this is like bloke who comes into this is like wacky office guy who comes into work with a fucking Bugs Bunny bow tie on do you know what I mean it's like people who wear odd socks and be like (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I know what you're thinking. I'm wearing odd socks. I, I actually did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> or people who, wear, people who wear Wednesday socks on a Monday or something. Yeah. yeah. And I think anyone who turns around to me and says, oh, don't you like fun? Why don't you think? Oh, they're just, they're funny, aren't they? They're funny. Cancer bats are fun. Cancer bats are fun. Lots of things are fun, mm. um, but they don't desperately try to be just thought of as whack. It's wacky fucking tacky shit it's like the equivalent of like going out and ending up having a good night or or having to go to a party where you're forced to have fun like new yeah. year's eve kind of forced thing. fun fuck that i think we've talked about this before yeah the thing is i didn't watch it that much of them um uh but i went to watch red method instead who um feature the AVD, formerly of The Defiled. Oh, yeah. Are you a fan of The Defiled? You strike me as somebody who wouldn't be a fan of The Defiled at um, all. Um, I thought they were fine. Yeah, I thought they were all right with The Defiled. Um, Red Method, his new band, are, again, visually... It's funny that the, them and Eagle Scarecrow back-to-back feel like two bands who rely far more on your eyes than your ears, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I don't yeah. think there's anything inherently wrong with red methods music i think they probably they're a young band they're a new band so i think they probably will get better they are this amalgam of corn slipknot mudvane nine inch nails the murder dolls they all two of them dressed just in red well like there's one wearing a mask there was one with like who just looked like head from corn they had two girls come out one dressed as a sort of angel one dressed as like a black devil and then they ended up sort of feelingly copping off with each other and i was like you know when, you, when you know people go like it's pc gone mad hmm. i was a bit like this is pc not gone mad enough <laughs> right? it's a little i um, don't need that anymore, it's a little really. 1987 yeah, sunset like, oh, strip isn't it want, like i'm sure they they those girls are probably dancers and i'm sure they're very talented burlesque performers but yeah, but there's something about them sort of like getting this band of blokes to get them on to be like, oh, look at them, they're gonna kiss each other. Ugh. Yeah, but they they are there to titillate. Yeah, it the was, male it was a gaze shitty bit of titillation, and only that. I was yes. like, nah. But it, it was a they are a visual feast. Um, 
the two ladies or the no no the, the band, the band. even without the the ladies i mean yeah. it obviously became what you know there was eight people on stage suddenly when they were yeah. doing that and avp throws his his um keyboard up in the air and stuff and oh, yeah. but you know it was it was super heavy ma- massively aggressive electronic tinged groove metal was he actually playing his keyboard because he certainly wasn't in the defile throws it around a lot <laughs> i couldn't tell you i couldn't tell you renfrey i, I really don't know i doubt he is um and then i went over i would say now this is fun this is fun right die Art is murder oh yeah is fun mm. right? I mean, cj from that is murder mm-hmm. is a, is so great like it was at this point it was really really windy and he came out wearing dressed like joan collins basically he came out wearing a leopard skin shirt right right and he, at one point, went. It started with two songs from the new record, um, uh-huh. both of which sounded massive, like "Make America Hate Again." They mm-hmm. played, and they played. Um, what's the one that we both said we really liked? Was like the best one on the record. Ah, fuck! With that really cool, um, I can't remember now. Bollocks! Anyway, they started with one of the very, the really good ones off of off the new record, mm-hmm. and. Um, Went into Pure Strain of Hate, which was fucking great as well. Uh, a, a, a set kind of fairly heavy. They ended with the title track of the new record, which sounded massive. They they sounded massive. And CJ was great, like really funny in between songs. He was saying like, you bunch of idiots, you sent us all over to live in this paradise and you live in this shitty, horrible, fucking rainy country. And it was really windy. And then he undid his shirt and he was like, you know that thing where Michael Jackson opens his shirt and the wind blows it and he goes, ah, he's like, that's how I'm going to start this next song. So he just unbuttoned his shirt and when the riff kicked in, he just went, ah, and the the shirt blew back. And you had to be there. But it was very, very funny. I thought it was amusing. Yeah, it was. It was was funny. And yeah, it was, they were just, they're just really great. They're a really great live band. And they even went, um, he said, oh, we spent all this money on pyro. And because of the fucking wind, we can't use any of it. So I should say at this point, Uh, at this point, not only had the screens been taken down and the, uh, the things the, the actual speakers been moved down the backdrop that all of the bands had had been taken down because oh, that was crikey. blowing around all over the place and I was like whoa it's pretty fucking serious at this point isn't it um, so that is Murder played and I think that song was called Death Squad Anthem by the Death way. Squad Anthem that's it yeah it's really good and they you know excellent as always um, and then on came the Wild Hearts who played to, I would have to say, a pathetically small crowd. A pathetically small crowd. Now, in fact, as I walked out of the artist's murder, right, some guy walked past him and went, right, come on up next, give it up, get ready, and show your love for the Wild Hearts. Go, yeah, for the Wild Hearts, like the bloke on the stage. And some person walked past me and went, nope. And I went, I tapped on the shoulder and went, so you, my friend, need to get some much better taste than what you have at the moment. Because that... He's a fuck up that you won't even clap the wild arts. And I assume you're not going to watch him. I'm going to go and get in your tent and be rubbish. And your best friends now. Wasting your life. You have have literally wasted your life. Um, Not a traditional Bloodstock band, though. Let's be honest. However, Code Orange. uh, They were replacing Code Orange and. and, and, Replacement, but a good replacement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, they're amazing, but not a typical Bloodstock band. No. And they played to a fucking tiny crowd. But I have to say, the 100, 200 or so people down the front. For the main stage. Yeah, Aye. watching them. They did right down the front. There was a few more people middling around. It wasn't busy by any stretch of the mm. imagination. Yeah. But there were people right down the front 
who were going fucking berserk it's for good. the Wild Hearts. Absolutely berserk. And I was one of them. Um, uh, who were just like lapping it up. Mm. And I think for some people to see CJ, Danny and Ginger together on a stage. Yeah. Is a, that's a big deal. Yeah, it really is. No, that's actually a really fucking after, big deal for a lot. After everything after they've been through. everything they've done. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a massive... I never thought I'd see that. No. And to see those guys playing those songs... I mean, obviously, the stuff from Earth First of the Wild Hearts got the, the, the biggest reactions. Yeah. And when you can... They, they did um, Everlone into um, Vanilla Radio Ooh. into um, Sucker Punch. Oh, yes, I think they did that. Trees as well. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I was yeah. just like, that's yeah, perfect. Yeah, and they looked really fucking happy to be there. And Ginger was like, I've never been to this festival before. It's fucking great. We're gonna come back every year. And I was like, Yeah, go fucking show. And um, oh, good. And good. they ended up definitely, I'm sure, winning everybody over. They they were absolutely brilliant. And that new, the new material. Like, they played a couple of new songs, particularly Diagnosis, which I still think. Is, is is as good as they've ever sounded. Mm. That song is fucking amazing. That's an amazing song, and that got a really big reaction. Um, and then I I got goosebumps when they ended with "I want to go where the people go," and there was a lot of people milling around who sort of were like, "Oh, you kind of know this, but I don't really know." And suddenly those people went, "Oh yeah, I know, I do know this song." You can mm. tell there were a lot of people that were like. Oh yeah, shit! I do know. I do remember this song. Oh, I do know this song. And suddenly, they kind of felt like it was all right to be like, "Yeah!" And it just—that's when it felt like the whole um, sort of crowd opened up. Apart from three Cradle of Phil fans who were on the front row who sat there, stony faced, <laughs> the whole thing, looking miserable as fuck. Um, and they would be really fucking miserable because at this point, yeah, we get a three-hour gap with nothing going on. Oh shit! Because the wind was fucking brutal and it was nothing on the sophie lancaster stage no there's stuff on the sophie stage okay. but but main I mean, stage that yeah. became absolutely rampant yeah i yeah. was like well i'm gonna go and i went back to the press area and sat yeah. and i was like, i'm gonna have something to eat and just sort of chill out a little bit like, yeah. wanker. and um <laughs> and it was ra- and i thought it was gonna fucking cave in on us and i looked outside and the trees were like in half like the front of that biffy cloro opposite album yeah yeah, I was yeah. Like, oh my god shit and people there there was chat like i hope people don't mind me saying this but there was chat from people and the rumors are going around that everything had been cancelled right. like there was going to be no anthrax there was going to be no cradle of filth there's gonna be no parkway no parkway can you imagine that and <laughs> would have made some people happy by the sounds of it but yeah. yeah um but we got this massive gap and it meant we got no cradle of filth we got moved to the next day and Anthrax went on an hour late. Right. Um, when Anthrax finally came on, it just meant everyone went, yeah, everyone went crazy for Anthrax. I think even Anthrax were like, oh, oh <laughs> we play here all the time. <laughs> like, we literally play every fucking metal gig that happens in the UK. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly these people are greeting us like, you know, we're like fucking reformed Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> and Anthrax were fine. You know, I, it, I I feel a bit shitty kind of being like, yeah, you know, they were anthrax. But at the end of the day, you know, they didn't play anything from post the 90s. Or they didn't play anything from post the 80s, I should say. I think maybe there was maybe one, maybe one song that was like early 90s. Mm. But it was all the old stuff. It was the anthrax set that you've been seeing. And I think it's a real shame what's happened to anthrax because, you know... 
I really like the John Bush era. Mm. And, um, you know, like, they wrote some really fucking good records at that period. Mm-hmm. And then they got rid of him. They binned him off to get back with Joey Belladonna. Mm. And then Joey Belladonna left and they got Dan Nelson. And then mm. John Bush came back for a gig. Mm. And then it's like, okay, we're going to do this thing with Joey Belladonna. Mm. And they released two really rubbish records with yeah. Joey Belladonna back in the for band. All the Kings. For all the Kings and Worship Music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, about that one. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, everyone. <laughs> and they didn't play anything off either of them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you are just absolutely a nostalgia band now. Yeah. Like, completely a nostalgia band. I mean, yeah. There's, you know. Yeah. Like, even if you go and see Megadeth, you go, you know, obviously you see Metallica, there's probably a few from the last couple of records that you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Go and see Slayer, I wouldn't be mad keen on hearing anything from Repentless or many of them really but there's a couple of all right songs in there at least up to like at least there's stuff from this millennium from Slayer that you would want to hear yeah certainly mainly stuff from God Hates Us All certainly with Megadeth there's stuff from Endgame yep that you would definitely want to hear yep um, at least and you get Anthrax and you're like yeah no one even the 90s stuff no one cares about yeah so it's a bit of a shame but anyway we should get on to the real story of the weekend in terms of um, splitting the Bloodstock audience. Uh, and that's Partway Drive. Now, Partway came on, um, again, no screens. Uh, because of the wind. Because of the wind. And mm-hmm. I think they actually had to cancel, don't quote me on this, but they had to cancel a bit of their pyro, I think. Um, I'm going to put it on Twitter. I think from where I was stood, and I got closer in because I felt like I needed to get closer in, it wasn't, the best again the sound not great felt a bit quiet at some points you know someone turned to me at one point and spoke to me and i could hear them stood next to me and i was like this fucking socks because they're doing everything right like they yeah. look like they were doing everything right they brought everything they brought the pyro they brought the fucking string quartet, quartet. they <laughs> brought you know the all all the stuff all the stuff that you get from partway drive show it, i thought it was brilliantly pitched from the kind of uh, the heavier stuff from the earlier material up until you know the 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 more um, somber material from Revenants and which uh, which levels uh, sorry which ones of those material goodness sorry it's quite what? late <laughs> did the early stuff get a better reaction or the later stuff generally I think the earlier um, stuff probably okay. did get a better reaction I mean we got stuff like you know idols and anchors and carrion you know like people have lived with those songs for a very very long time and they are just more um bloodstock friendly bloodstock friendly um but you know they outdoors on that stage you know with the kind of wind blowing and stuff and you see the string quartet come in and winston there and he kind of commands the whole crowd and it really swells like it was it was great it was not as good as ali pally it was probably not as good as that no, wasn't as good as the last couple of Brixton ones. But I think so much of that had to do with elements outside of their control. Yeah, yeah. The sounds, they couldn't help. I think the gap didn't help either. Um, it seemed to work for Anthrax, but it didn't seem to work so much for Parkway. I felt like there was a bit of fatigue in the audience. Um, yeah. It wasn't as big a crowd as Sabaton got, mm. but it was still a big enough crowd to okay. be like, you know, this is a worthy of a headline slot. But 
I don't know. I think there's a lot of people there who didn't really know who they were. From where I was stood, I stood kind of in the middle to begin with, and then I moved forward. And there was a lot of people there. I guess they were probably sceptical. Um, a lot of people kind of waiting to be won over. And it felt a little bit like... I mean, I have to be honest, right? And I say this as, as, as a, a Parkway Drive fan, as a big Parkway Drive fan. I was surprised that they got Bloodstock as a headliner. And, but then I guess, you know, somebody had to be the sacrificial lamb, you know? Someone had to be the first ones to do it. And I think now, because I was thinking back and I was like, well, Machine Head did it. And they probably were like, well, that's a bit download. And Lamb of God did it. Even Lamb of God, people were going, oh, too groovy. And when Trivium got it, I was like, well, that's, you know, but Trivium at least dress like a metal band. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Matt Heafy talks about how much he loves Emperor. Yeah. And he wears Black Dahlia Murder t-shirts. Winston talks about how much he loves Nick Cave. Yeah. And they cover Rage Against Machine and they're on Epitaph. You know, yeah. they talk about how they've been influenced by Bad Religion. Yeah. And, you know, 90s skate punk. They talk like a punk band, whereas Trivium go metal, metal, metal. Yeah. I And Trivium are happy, more than happy to be associated as a metal band. I think Parkway as, Drive... As our Lamb of God and Machine as Head. As our Lamb of God and Machine Head. Whereas I think Parkway Drive, to their credit as well, yeah. are far more than just a metal band. And certainly now, even though they've... What's funny is the earlier material where people were like, oh, just fucking, uh, this is core shit or whatever, is, was the heavier stuff on the stage the whole fucking day, pretty much. Save for maybe that is murder. Like... Although, you know, there were only a handful of bands that were as extreme as that stuff that played on that stage over the entire weekend. And then they lean on something like Vice Grip. They're leaning on, that's Iron Maiden they're leaning on. Yeah. You know, Crush, they're leaning on Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so those more kind of mainstream sounding metallic elements are completely relatable to a Bloodstock crowd, completely relatable. But it was odd to think like, I mean, let's kind of break down who from that scene has played there over the years. Hatebreed, I get, but even Hatebreed, Tor was Slayer, you know, Tor was Slipknot. Uh, Machine Head. Yeah. Machine, you know, yeah. And and Unearth, Unearth is another kind of metalcore band. Unearth, not big enough really to really no. get people kind of wound up. Partway Drive plonked, you know, a, a band from that scene, you know, we've never had Architects at any point at Bloodstock. We've never had the Devil Wears Prada. Never had Parkway. You never had Kill Switch. You've never had um, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, obviously, uh, or Asking Alexandria, or any of those bands that might be kind of vaguely comparable in a higher slot. Mm-hmm. So Parkway Drive are coming in completely cold mm-hmm. and are being plonked at the top of the bill. Mm-hmm. So although I get it and i was glad i did feel like you know they basically kind of were gonna have to dig in and take with the team felt like winston was doing a lot of work to g people up a lot of work more than i've ever had to see him do for their normal shows or even at a festival mm-hmm. they are definitely much more suited to playing download and headline download whether or not that will happen you know it's still going to be a long way away because yeah. the jump from bloodstock headliner to download headliner 
fucking massive. That's like two divisions. If you're talking football, yeah. that's like going from mid-table or like top half of League One to the Champions League in one step. Like it, it can't be done. So, but then you watch their Wacken set. Fuck me, they've played to like 80,000 people. So they can do it. They definitely can do it. I think um, Wacken's more like 110. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it, massive. And that set would have shut a lot of people up for sure. Would have shut a hell of a lot of people up. Um, but I think fates kind of conspired against them a little bit mm. because, you know, it was just unfortunate that it felt like ugh, the, all this other all this other stuff got in the way of what would have been fucking brilliant. And don't get me wrong, right? It was still great. Yeah, they were still one of the best bands, if not the best band of the weekend. Right? They're 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 amazing live they're amazing live they're just just so good but it's tough mm-hmm. i thought it was i thought it was i thought it was definitely i think they can walk out of there with their heads held high and i think it was a success mm. but was it the best partway drive show i've ever seen not a chance mm. do you think it might be used it was it was it due to the elements was it bad enough not that it was bad but you know due to the elements that some people might use that as a nail in the coffin or a, or a I, habit to no, say no, no you don't think it was, okay no no because it was still great like by the end you know when bottom feeder came in and there was like fire coming out the top of the actual stage yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and there was fire everywhere and it was just like this massive fucking circle pit it was like okay well yeah okay you can't argue with that yeah fair. if everyone had been stood there looking at that being like what's this then mm-hmm. yeah but when the bits that were like, when the big set pieces happened, it worked. It absolutely worked. And I think the set as a whole worked. Um, I wonder if mm, maybe they would have been better off just hammering those people constantly. Because mm. there's, and like for their own shows, I think it's fucking great to watch a metalcore band. Like, you know, you're talking about the dynamics and Killswitch Engage and stuff. And actually consider where Killswitch Engage are to where Parkway are. Yeah. If you just said 10 years ago... Yeah. Like, people would have been really surprised. Like, or Kilsage Engage, you know, because now, you know, Kilsage Engage, they were talking about them as a, a Bloodstock headliner for years ago. They ain't big enough to headline. They could, they, they're not big enough to headline no. Bloodstock now. Not no. a chance. Whereas Parkway are probably going to be too big to headline it soon. And yes. you think like the... And, and you, you look at the artistic decisions that Parkway Drive have made versus what we've just spoken about for Kilsage mm-hmm. Engage. Yeah. It's fucking night and day. I've got, um, you know, I'm personally not a fan of either band, but I've got a lot more time for Parkway than Killswitch, especially mm. these days, yeah. personally. Yeah, so. and so, you know, um, that train is rumbling on. Yeah, cool. For sure. Okay. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I didn't see much on Sunday because I was fucking knackered and <laughs> I wanted to go home and there wasn't really a lot on for me. Um, so I saw Soil Work who were, we reviewed their album, Verklick to Gehen. Yeah, very good. Very um, good. Uh, at the start of the year. They were really good live. Uh-huh. Like, their songs are great. And I thought, you know, they would have, again, they would have been better off on the uh, the day before with that kind of metalcore thing. Uh, right, Could have yeah. swapped them and Swallow the Sun round, actually, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. Um, that would have been very, very good. Um, the new songs actually sounded pretty good, but when they went into those old kind of death metal ones, I was like, oh yeah, 
they're, they're good sort of work. They're actually good. Like I was having this conversation. And I have to apologise to Merlin and Eleanor Uh-oh. from uh, from Metal Hammer because on the way back on Saturday night, they're like, "Oh, I fucking love soil work," and I was like, "You love soil work," and they were like, "Yeah, fucking, they're amazing. They're so great," and I was like oh it's just bog standard and they, and they both went mental like no they're not they're not they're not and watching them i was actually like yeah you, they're not actually mm, yeah they're probably a lot better than you and i maybe gave them credit for okay and not seeing them live so yeah there you go um and then i went over to the sophie stage to watch wheel do you know wheel no Wheel sound like undertow ear at all oh and they're quite they i'm sure they're quite happy to to be told that because it's fucking undeniable. Yeah, they're the UK's answer to tool, I've been told a fair bit. Oh, I described Sumer as the UK's answer well, to tool last this, week. I wondered if we were talking about the same band, but it turns out we weren't. Wheel. Yeah. Um really, really sound like Undertow Era Tool. Ooh. Four blokes with hoods on. Okay. Um Undertow Era Tool. I mean obviously not as good as that, but they only they were on for half an hour and they only played three songs i think two or three uh, right. three or four songs uh it was it was very good i mean you know they're not as good as tool oh, what a dumb thing to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, unfortunately they're not as good as tool um let's do a trade-off special they are very good yeah yeah i thought it was decent i thought it was pretty good um this is one of those bands that i was talking about where i was like going over to the main stage and being like yes fucking hypocrisy on the main stage sounded maddeningly brilliant i was like oh bloody hypocrisy playing in front of 10,000 people on a big stage and that guitar tone cutting like a fucking chainsaw through the field was amazing it was um it was great and you know they've they're a band who've gone more into the kind of mellow death melodic death metal thing over the years but they pulled out a couple of the early kind of 91 92 you know proper brutal brutal um, come here then, Bonjour. You can probably hear or see Bonjour. Look at a lovely little herd. It's just a, it's a lovely there. herd. And um, you can... Uh, that that early material sounded fucking brilliant. And whereas Soil Work, I thought the music was great, but they were all just kind of stood there as a bit bog standard. Um, Peter is a bug-eyed loon. He looked like <laughs> he, he looks like Johnny Depp in parts. He's kind of got a, a bit of a like Johnny Depp, death metal Johnny Depp. Okay. Yeah. All right. From Pirates good. or from... Yeah, from Pirates, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then I ended the weekend because obviously Cradle of Filth got moved to the next day. I was going to stick around for Cradle, but then a train was going and I could get a lift and I was like, oh, I might have to go now. Um, Miss Scorpions, Miss Cradle, Miss Batushka. Sorry, guys. Uh, which is a bit of a bummer. But I ended the weekend by watching Boss Keloid, who I've oh. never seen before on the social oh, stage. Oh, oh, my oh. God. It sounded fucking incredible. Like, again, sound person in the Sophie stage. I'm going to give you another shout out because... Boss Keloid, every little element and instrument and everything in there, just sat, you could hear, you could pick out all of the weird shit that's going on, all the kind of Frank Zapperisms, wow. all of the like John Squirey guitar parts, you know, that kind of washy, psychedelic guitar, those really cool little dub runs. and the Not a band whose sound is easy to, to get, I don't think. I mean, I'm not a Definitely sound man, not. but I yeah. imagine it isn't. I mean, so I thought to myself, fair. I was like, oh yeah, you'll go and see them and it'll be like clutch and it'll be like, you know, kind of stonery whatever um and obviously there's a lot more to them than that but fuck me the sound meant you got the whole kaleidoscopic um oral experience of what boss keloid is supposed to sound like i thought it sounded amazing they looked amazing as well they they just looked weird and 
they played to a really, really big crowd as well. Excellent. A lot of people watching them. They were fucking brilliant and a very, very good way to close the weekend. Sorry, I didn't watch Scorpions. Uh, if you've been sitting here waiting for the Scorpions <laughs> review, <laughs> like, stop talking about Bon Iver. You're going to just tune into this podcast and listen to the whole thing to hear what my friend says about the Scorpions. And, Ach, you didn't even watch them. Come on. <laughs> uh, but overall. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you talking about Bonneville? Um, <laughs> shut up about Sneederkinney. Shut up. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't care about Feeder, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> you're actually crying. Can we just do this for another 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, <sighs> so, anyway, sorry I didn't watch them. Um, but, yeah, as ever. Man, I fucking love Bloodstock, man. It's the shit. And even though the, mu- even though the, the music was shit, even though the, <laughs> was shit, even though the weather was shit, uh, I could put up with the weather being shit at Bloodstock. I don't know. I can just, I, it was you muddy. You can't download, and can you? Download. I'm like, nah, <laughs> fuck that. Bloodstock, I don't care. I was actually like completely fine. Merlin forgot his, Mel from Metal Hammer mm. forgot his wellies. I was like, oh God, and he was in a right old grub. Oh, and I was like, hey sake. man, don't worry about it. It's all good. Um, so yeah, there you go. Bloodstock again. And I will be back in 2020. Alongside, they've already announced some bands for what? 2020. They've released the debut uh, UK exclusive and UK debut of Violence Hello. with Phil Demmel. Oh, yeah. I forgot Phil Demmel's back Phil in Demmel. Violence. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Sacred Reich. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butcher Babies. Yeah. Uh, Skin Dreads. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fucking ace. Mm. Uh, Black Dahlia Murder. Nice. And Dark Tranquility. Okay. It's a strong start. It's a very strong start. And also, that's none of them are headliners. They've got Ooh. three headliners, Renfrew. Now, we do this a lot of festivals. Three headliners for next year. Bloodstock. Who do you want? Who do you think we'll get? I didn't know you were going to do this. I told you at the fucking start we were going to no, do this. No, you didn't. Oh, no. But now I need to... Think about who might play. <laughs> Do you want me to go? Yeah. Okay, so I would like... Obviously, I'd like a new headliner. would always like a new headliner. And I was thinking about this. I think last year I said a reformed Sepultura. Having seen Max, I'm not so sure I want that, to be fair. <laughs> um, I don't know if this would work or not. Um, and I know they've... Obviously, we're about to go to Art Tangent next week, so I would quite like Sugar. I'm not sure Meshuggah are big enough to headline Bloodstock. Uh, well, Bloodstock want Meshuggah, so... Ooh. So, I would like Meshuggah. Bloodstock wanted Meshuggah this year. Oh, did they? Yes. All right, well, I would like Meshuggah. <laughs> I would like Meshuggah. Um, but if they couldn't get Meshuggah, Between the Buried and Me, they big enough? Oh, um, no. But um, I love Between quite. the Buried and Me. Yeah. <laughs> but no. I, between the Buried and Me do like the ballroom. Uh, which no, is... they, but they got... They, Cool. Nah, know. they do. They yeah, well, they've gone down a bit now. They, 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 a few years ago, they did the Roundhouse once. Did they? Yeah. Fuck me. Fair play. But There's Parallax. Um, the Parallax Hypersleep. Yeah. Bloody blast. Mm. Um, During that time. Definitely. I can't remember. They're doing. They're, no, they are doing a show um, later in the year. And I, I, it might be Borum. I can't remember. Borum's about 1200 cap. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I love them, but no, they're not big enough. No, no, they're not. If they're in the injection ballroom, they're, they're definitely not big enough. It's probably a bad suggestion. But Meshuggah would be great. Meshuggah would be you got to imagine they're going to get somebody a bit older. I mean, I'm guessing... 
I don't, merciful fate of reform. Yeah, well, that would be fucking amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I was going to fucking say that. Okay, well, you, you merciful fate would be amazing. Um, um, I'd quite like to see Opeth. I know they've done it once before, but I think, you know, Opeth out. have got a new album out, so that would, kind of, or, or are going to have a new album out at the end of September, so that would kind of make sense. I would like Behemoth as well. Behemoth would be fucking I great. Like Thank you very much. Really, really great. Yeah. Uh, but I also oh, wonder... They, have Behemoth done it before? They've headlined it before. They've done it, but yeah. they've only done it once before, right? Yes, I believe so, yeah. Um, but I also think there is possibly more mainstream bands now, post-Parkway Drive. The door is open for Corn. Oh, that'd be great. Marilyn Manson. Mm. I love Marilyn Manson, but he's not. Uh, if zombies, good yeah, live. Zombies, you know. Oh no, no, sorry, sorry. I no, I think he could do it, but yeah. but I think. Yeah. But like, I mean, I think Corn would be really, really fun. I think Corn be great, actually. It'd be really good at Bloodstock, because yeah. like Corn are rarely disappointing live, yeah. and especially if they bring out a greatest hit set, or 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 I mean, they've got a record coming out in September as well, so maybe they wouldn't do that. But like, actually, I think at a festival they probably would. They're yeah. pretty sensible when yeah, they come yeah, to that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. And I, I think I mean, that'd be wicked. I'd like to see Clutch headline it as well. Are Clutch big enough? Brixton Academy? Feels like they kind of are. I mean, I suppose at this point now, you're looking at arena bands playing headlining Bloodstock, which is mad. Yeah. I think the three this year, Scorpions, Parkway, and Sabaton. Yeah, all three of them. Are, <laughs> Parkway are doing have done Ali Pally. We've already spoken about Sabaton and they're doing pretty Wembley. fucking amazing yeah. fact that they're doing Wembley. But then you look at last year, like I'm on a math. Kajira are both bricks and bands. Yeah. So I think you can look at... I mean, at when did Behemoth headline? 2012, they I think. They lasted four, didn't they? 2012? Yeah. Oh, right. So would they be too small to headline now? Yeah, blah, 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 maybe. I don't know because Behemoth are a bit of an outlier, I think, because, mm. because of what they are. Because they're brilliant? Because they're brilliant, but also because of what they are, I think that kind of helps as well. Satanists. So, Say exactly they're <laughs> satanists and that's the problem but yeah um i mean i don't know i mean i there's i know people have mentioned the misfits as well i can't see that happening no. uh i don't know if they're big enough or if they really would fit in as a headliner but killing joke um would be amazing Ooh. if you put a kind of because they're kind of legendary enough aren't they or sisters of mercy or something like that do you reckon they could be big enough to do it i think both of them would be very off kilter i think both of them would be risks yes that's true uh big risks frankly yeah. because i think they only apply to certain th both of those bands are absolutely cult acts and big cult acts mm. but i but they are loved by the people who love them but i think to be a headline act you kind of have to be liked a lot by many people rather than loved by a smaller I wouldn't be surprised if we got Five Finger Death Punch as well. I hate to say it because mm. I don't think they're very good at all. No. But I think I would not be surprised. And, you know, but it's it's getting harder. That pool is getting, you know, if people are going to get funny about bands like Parkway and, you know, I mean, there's not really any, the only other band that are as big as Parkway really that, are architects i don't re again they're architects i can't really see architects doing it i think even architects feel even even more removed than parkway uh so i yeah yeah do they well i think they do yeah hmm but i guess that's because parkway have now done it 
But I probably would have said the same thing. If you'd have said to me last year, Parkway Drive or Headline, I would have been like, I just think they'll have to really, really ease that stuff in. And they haven't. They just went like, bosh, there you go. Mm. So you never know. Maybe architects do fit now. But to me, Parkway Drive feel... They've got more traditional metal elements than architects do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, which is why I would have thought they would have fit. Oh, sorry, Parkway do. Yeah. I okay. So. Hey, you're the bigger fan of both of those bands. So, I mean, I I, I probably would have said Bullet? the opposite. You couldn't get Bullet, could you? <sighs> what do Bullet play now? I have no fucking idea. Um, Shit music. <laughs> I meant venue-wise. Um, uh, no. For so what they play now, shit music. Oh, no. They've always played that. Oh, um, uh, no. Nah, I, I think Bullet would cause a bit of an outcry, considering yeah, their new material is, you know, barely even metal, is it? Mm-hmm. You know, but like getting Linkin Park in to do it. Mm. Can't do that. Can't do that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, be strange. Um, but yeah, so difficult, difficult to know who you might get. Any others that you want to shout out that you'd like to see at Bloodstock next year? I'd like to see Death Heaven. Oh, yes. And they're not, big great to, they're not big enough to headline, but I would like to see Death Heaven. It'd be brilliant to see Death Heaven on the main stage yes. with good sound. Yes. It'd be a waste of time with bad sound, but it'd be well, yeah. brilliant with yeah. good sound. Them and Wolves in the Throne Room, I would like to see like a bit of that. I think Alcester got a new album coming out soon. They well. do indeed. So they do indeed. would be pretty good. It's a shame not one of those bands is sort of... I wondered if... Zelenada mm. is like. Do you think that would cause? I cannot a fuss? understand why is it. No, no. I mean, maybe. I don't no, no, know. no. I'm not. I'm not saying it should, but I'm asking. Do you think it would? No, I, I don't see any reason why it would because it's not going to be high enough on the bill for people to get really Care. fucking yeah, about yeah, it yeah, like yeah, they yeah. would with Parkway Drive. It's not going to be like announced Zelenada. It'd probably be like mid afternoon main stage though. Yeah, I think maybe, so. Probably maybe like early evening. Up. Maybe yeah, 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 mm. yeah. That'd be but, cool. But I think it would be brilliant. I mean, particularly on the second stage, I think it would be yeah. really fucking cool. But then seeing it outdoors and yeah, uh, that's funny, Zelenada, because it seems like they've just sort of vanished and no one's. But that, that album's amazing. I'm and playing Art Tangent next week. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> how many people? Like two thousand people go to Art Tangent, don't they? No, it's ten thousand people. Ten thousand people. Yeah. Ten thousand people. Yes. No. The capacity is 10,000 and they're close to selling out this year. 10,000? Yes. Capacity's been up this year, so it's 10,000 now. It's almost as big as Bloodstock. Oh, okay. So it's been upped. Okay, right. It has right. been up. Yeah, it but has been up. Last year, there's no way there's 10,000 people. It used, to be, it used to be five or 6,000. I think last year they had around 6,000, something like that. But but it is now Six the cap. was that many last year? Yeah, it's a good sight. It's well, well. It looks like a way, way smaller. Yeah. Because it's a good site. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't realise it was that many people. Okay. Yeah. Well, if it's ten thousand, then uh, I, yeah. But you know, it's one. Even if they just played Bloodstock or they just played fucking Download, I would be like, I don't feel like anyone's talking about Zelada as much as they were. No. Which is a shame because that album is better than the first one. Yeah. By quite is. a way. Um. We'll see. Anyway, we're getting off the topic a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Bloodstock was good. I'm going to go next year. You going to go? Yes. Good. Um, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. We appreciate that. Next week, we will, we're will we not doing trade-off because obviously we've been fucking banging on for Christ knows how long. 
Um, and we will be giving you the big Arctangent review mm. with our faces. Um, <laughs> go over to musicism.net and put right in the code in capital letters to get 25% off all them courses, um, you mad brethren. And we will see you next week. Bye. See ya.